what is up everybody man appreciate y'all tuning in now if you're a little bit confused yes this is usually the night for the round table with all script where we go through the games and kind of preview them you know ourselves take your live calls about a lot of the swack and meak focused games but Scotty is down in NOLA, man, for a big announcement, uh, something to do with um, HBCU Go and things like that. They signed a big deal with one um, of the HBCU conferences, man. So he he has some stuff come up. We're going to do the roundtable tomorrow night. So it's still going to happen. So we just decided to flip this, man. We're going to do the FCS preview tonight. Roundtable tomorrow and then Friday night. Probably won't do a live stream, man. Um, I got some things to handle, and then I'm going to be headed to Memphis for our game of the week, which is the Southern Heritage Classic in in Memphis between Tennessee State and Jackson State. And I'm so excited to go. And listen, let me address um, some of these comments, man. Y'all, uh, y'all got uh, some things uh, in here to say, man. Listen, bring an umbrella this weekend. I looked before the game. I looked uh, before the show. Apparently, it's about fifty percent chance of rain this weekend in Memphis. I talked to uh, one of the players' uh, dads right before the show. He said he went and bought a poncho today for the game. So prepare for rain. Now, listen. The all, I'm cool with rain. I hope I, I'm, I'm fine with rain. Listen, I got a camera cover. I'm good with all that working the sidelines in the rain, man. I got some experience now. I just hope there's no lightning. I want to get this game over before midnight. If we're three for three on 1 a.m. games, I'm going to be a little bit upset. So bring a poncho this weekend to Memphis. Your boy's going to be in town, and let's just hope there's no lightning. That's the only thing we can ask for, man. But listen, go ahead and like the stream. Call-in number is going to already be in the chat, and subscribe if you are new to the channel, man. Listen, um, if it gets delayed, y'all are going to hear me be extremely upset in the post-game show. Because one, can't do an immediate reaction post-game show because the game went in too late. So y'all are going to get a very tired me and a lot of opinions come Sunday night on our FCS recap. But um, listen, uh, the point of this show is to really go over some of the top FCS content and also allow you guys to call in. Let me know which games y'all want to talk about. Give your thoughts on the games because I really value how much you guys are interacting with the channel and the fact that you guys are tuned into me, man. I want to give y'all a chance to call in and give your thoughts. Or, like I said last week, man, if, if I'm not talking about your team directly, you can always call in, comment, and I will address your team directly because I, I can't listen. I'm one guy and I cannot cover all 120 something FCS teams in an hour, two hour show. So if your team is not discussed and you want to talk about them, call in and or, or send a comment, man, and we, and we will definitely talk about it. But before we get into previewing the games, man, if you missed my recap, um, if you missed my recap episode, you didn't see my top 25. So I told you guys when, they announced I was going to be able to vote for the FCS stats perform poll. I wanted to be as transparent with you guys as I could about how I was voting and what I was seeing as an analyst because it was a very big honor. And without you guys, it wasn't possible. So I wanted you guys to be involved as much as possible. Now, you can head to our website and I'll have a full analysis of why I voted the way I did. But this is the top 25 after week one going into week two, man. September 5th, 2022 is when this was submitted. Um, listen, my 
my top six teams did not change. Um, all of them won except for South Dakota State, but they lost seven to three to Iowa and FBS school. And I'm not penalizing any FCS school for a single digit loss to a power five program. So my top six stays the same. Delaware jumps all the way to seven for me. They got a big FBS win over Navy and honestly dominated that game from start to finish. They look like the best team on the field for all 60 minutes. So Delaware made a big leap. They were already number 12 in my poll, which was much higher than the FCS stats perform. Um, had them so i think i listen i told y'all i think delaware is going to come out of the caa this year and i don't think there's any reason to think otherwise as of right now villanova only um sticks at eight i had jackson state and incarnate word making five spot jumps together if you remember jackson state was 14 incarnate word was 15 in my preseason poll both of them had in my opinion the most impressive fcs wins of the weekend Jackson State, 59-3 win over Florida A&M in the Orange Blossom Classic on Sunday afternoon. And Incarnate Word at number 10, a 60-point drubbing of a top 10 or of a former top 10 team in Southern Illinois in a very weird rain delay game. And, and G.J. Kenny's debut as a head coach, Incarnate Word and Jackson State were co-teams of the week, in my opinion. Those two programs put on absolute performances. And listen, Lindsey Scott and Shador Sanders probably had two of the best quarterback performances of the weekend. So those two teams deserve to be in the top 10, in my opinion. ETSU, Chattanooga, UT Martin, Stick, they really didn't have um, any big games. They beat teams they should have beat. I'm going to keep them in my top 15. Eastern Washington jumps five spots for an impressive win over Tennessee State. In my opinion, Eastern Washington for me, as I already see the comment that uh, JSU over Eastern Washington kind of pushing it, um, I already had Jackson State over Eastern Washington in my preseason poll. And the reason I had them see is because Eastern Washington coming in, co- coming into the season – had too many question marks. We did Eastern Washington. We didn't know how they were going to replace Eric Barrier. They lost their leading receiver. They had some losses uh, on the offensive line as well. So for me, I personally think that Jackson state coming into the season was a better team than Eastern Washington. And I really didn't see anything to move Eastern Washington any higher. Man, I think five spots is perfect. Oh, um, coming up for number 19, man, I don't think a one score win over Tennessee state would, justify them jumping a UT Martin of Chattanooga and ETSU. So this is based off my preseason, and then I move teams accordingly. Holy Cross comes in at 15. I have Stephen F. Austin and um, Southern Illinois dropping to 16 and 17 after losses. Now, Stephen F. Austin bounced back with a win over Alcorn State, but watching that game, that was a game that I personally think Stephen F. Austin got very, very lucky to win. And if it wasn't for Alcorn State special teams, Stephen F. Austin could very well be sitting at 0-2 right now. And that that week zero loss to Jacksonville State, even though they have 85 scholarships, still sticks in my head. So Stephen F. Austin has a lot to prove. But since their loss was to an F, a, a, you know, quote unquote, a transitioning FCS school to FBS, I didn't drop them as far as some people had. Now, Southern Illinois, they got drubbed. I dropped them that they they had the um 
the largest fall. Southern Illinois was number nine in, or number nine or number eight in my preseason poll and dropped all the way to 17. They have a lot to prove to me. So that's why they dropped there. Mercer sticks at 18. They had a loss to Auburn. Eastern Kentucky, SLU all had FBS losses. So I'm going to stick them where they were, about where they were in my preseason poll. William & Mary is one of the teams that jumped into my top 25. They're one of the two new additions to my poll. William & Mary went out there and demolished Charlotte, who was an FBS school in the CUSA. They beat them to death, man. It was like 41-24, to 24, and William & Mary put on an absolute show. I almost moved them up in my top 20, but I'm going to keep them at 21. Um, we're going to talk about their game with Campbell this weekend um, in just a minute. Now, Kennesaw had experienced the largest drop. I had Kennesaw at seven in my preseason poll. They dropped all the way to 22. And for me, the reason they dropped the most is they had the worst loss of the weekend because Sanford was voted in the bottom half of the SOCON and went in there and completely shut Xavier Shepard down, completely shut that triple option scheme down. And all. And, and on top of that, their defense could not stop Michael Ayers in his first career start, man. He went and just picked apart that Kennesaw State defense, which was supposed to be a top 15 unit coming into the year. The secondary looked very suspect. Kennesaw State, for me, has a lot to prove, and so I dropped them the furthest in my poll. Now, Weber and UNI stay about where they were. They both uh, Weber played a, a D2 team, and UNI had an FBS game. Now, the new addition um, to my top 25, too, which was controversial, so I'm just going to be transparent with you guys. There was a group of about five teams that I kind of debated putting in this 25 spot. That 25 spot was very hard for me to decide just because there were some teams that had FBS losses at the bottom half of my poll. And there were some teams that had some really, really impressive, I would say FCS wins. And so I went with the one that I thought was the most impressive FCS win of the weekend out of my options. And that was North Carolina central. I thought the way they came out against their rival was more impressive than what some of than what some of the teams had last weekend. So just to let y'all know, the 25 spot came down to Richmond, North Carolina Central, South Dakota, Campbell, Dartmouth, Harvard, and Furman. Those were the teams I considered. The Ivy League teams, I couldn't slide in there. The Ivy League does not start their season until this weekend, so the Ivy League teams did not play a game in Week 0 or Week 1. Campbell did beat the Citadel, but I think a win over A&T was a little bit more impressive than beating the Citadel. And so I, I went with I went with Central here. Richmond and some of these other schools lost to FBS schools. And so North Carolina Central, in my opinion, earned this 25 spot. And I, I listen, there was a South Carolina State player, um, BJ Davis, the middle linebacker, man. Shout out to him. He's an absolute baller. That was a little upset that Central made my top 25 and not South Carolina State. And the reason South Carolina State hasn't been considered, they're about, if I extend my list a little bit further, they're probably about the 35, 36 spot. To me, the loss to UCF did not inspire me to move them up any. I didn't penalize them for losing to UCF, but if you weren't even in my honorable mentions for my preseason, that game that they played against UCF would not inspire me to move them up anymore. So South Carolina State will have a chance to prove me wrong. They have some big games starting with this weekend with Bethune-Cookman, which is one of the games we're going to talk about later. But South Carolina State, in my opinion, has not has not done enough for the, for the top 25. Um, and for me, 
last season does not matter. And I know the argument people are going to give me, and I get it while they did it for the preseason, but now we're talking about these 2022 polls. I don't care if they won the Celebration Bowl. I don't care if South Carolina State beat North, uh, North Carolina Central last year. This is 2022. And right now, you can make a real argument that North Carolina Central look, right now could have the could have a better team than South Carolina State and they'll get a chance to prove it on the field but for me I don't see how you could have South Carolina State in the top 25 and not Central because I thought Central had a statement win in a game where not a lot of people gave them a chance you know listen it was funny so just to give you guys a a, a backstory so I man shout out uh shout out to Alcorn State's um SID Brian Harvey he's a Central fan he, he he's he's from up there and everything. And he told me before the game started that he thought I was insane for picking A&T over Central by just two points. He thought A&T, even as a Central fan, was going to run away with it. And Central went in there and looked like the better team from the jump, man. Davis Richard put on an absolute performance. And I think Central, when you look at their schedule, has a real shot right now. To, to make some waves in the MEAC. And so for me, I, I love Central here at 25. And listen, if they go out there and lose up some of their upcoming games, they have Campbell, they got South Carolina State, they got some tough games. But right now, as we stand, I think that's a top 25 team, or at least right on the borderline. So that's that's where I'm going to um, that's where I'm gonna put it, man. Hey, thank you for becoming a member, Leo, man. I really, really appreciate you, man. Guys, if you want to be a member, I just have a, I have a first level that's really cheap. I think it's like $2, man, just to support the show support the travel equipment and things like that and then the next level is a little bit higher man we're going to do some exclusive merch for that level and we're probably going to do a celebration bowl ticket giveaway man for that second tier man but i appreciate y'all no pressure at all man i just wanted to get give a shout out to leo here uh let's see uh damn shane jsu ain't playing one team on that board jay uh, jack state doesn't need to prove out of conference week zero uh fam you put 24 on north carolina had Jason Egg took the head coach job at Idaho, uh, SDSU would have beat Howard. Now, that is true. I agree with that. Um, I would flip Villanova and JSU because of the pure speed difference. Montana State will win it all. Man, Coach, I, I'm going to be honest with you, Coach. Um, I don't know. Well, Coach, I don't know if you watched that McNeese State, uh, Montana State game. I wasn't, I wasn't super impressed with Montana State early against McNeese. I really wasn't. McNeese gave Montana State all they wanted and more. Now I know Isaiah Afonzi was out with injury, but to me right now, I, if I if it's not going to if it's not going to be North Dakota State, which I think right now you could probably say is probably them and South Dakota State have to be the favorites. I do lean Montana over Montana State right now just because of the continuity on the defensive side of the ball, and I do think Johnson at quarterback is going to be a stud in the big sky, but I don't hate Montana state winning all that's a top five team easily coach, but I'm, I'm not going to flip JSU Villanova based on paper stuff. To me, I can't rank teams based on, Oh, who do I think is a faster team or who do I think, you know, has a better athlete here for me, you got to prove it on the field. And man, Villanova just came off of a CAA championship. They went out and, and competed in their first game until they lose or until Jackson state does do a little bit more, man. I, I couldn't jump them up there. I thought five spots was really generous. Um, for, for Jackson State moving up, but to me, putting them at eight men over some of these other top teams right now, I would I would have to pump the brakes on that. But I do think we'll find out more about Jackson State this week. Um, 
man, I, I think I think not having Jackson State in the top ten if you were a voter. So for me, Delaware, Jackson State, and Incarnate Word, if you were a voter and didn't put those teams in the top ten, I've got a question what you were watching last weekend. When I'll put on the film, Incarnate Word, Jackson State, and Delaware all look like top ten teams. And so I really am questioning um, I, I really, really am questioning what people weren't seeing there. And so that's where I'm going to leave it, man. But I, listen, I wanted to come on here and give you guys another peek behind the mind of how I was voting because you guys deserve that. And I feel like a lot of um, a lot of voters don't do this, man. It won't put, it kind of won't put their money where their where their ballots are going, man. And so that way, if I come on here and say something crazy, man, I want you guys to be able to call me on something. And that way, y'all know exactly where I'm voting and I'm not doing anything crazy you know behind my ballot man but listen you can catch um the article every single um on sunday night monday morning man when i submit my ballot on our website and i'm going to be talking about it on our previews and recaps about how i voted why i voted as i kind of build up more film and in the articles you'll always find my analysis and, and why i was voting the way i am now Let's get into some of these previews, man. Um, I always want to start the show. This will be a common theme on this show with um, FBS versus FCS games that I am very, very intrigued by. Um, and th- these might not be games that you know. I don't know if the I don't know if the FCS team is always going to win, but I think they're games that that teams can make it very, very interesting. And the first one is Nevada versus Incarnate Word. And now I know a lot of people are probably looking at that like Nevada. That's a pretty good team. They're sitting at 2-0. and They had two pretty impressive um, performances. But listen, the way Incarnate Word look, they can score with the best of them, man. And if J.G. Kenny and this defense could take another step forward, man, listen, be watch out for incarnate word because that team is going to be an issue to deal with in the Southland. And if, and if Nevada overlooks this team, do not be surprised if incarnate word makes a big run at Nevada this weekend. And they all incarnate word had a great shot to knock off an FBS school last year. Nevada needs to watch out, man. Incarnate Word is going to be coming in there, riding high off a top 10 win where they put up 60 on a really good Southern Illinois team. In my opinion, that is one of the most dangerous FCS teams in a matchup this weekend against an FBS school. I love Incarnate Word's chances, man. I hope they keep it competitive. That would be a huge upset for the FCS for a team to go in there to knock off Nevada on the road. Now, the next one is a team that almost got one last weekend, man. They played Eastern Michigan. And they came up seven points short. Um, EKU lost uh, last week to Eastern Michigan by seven in their FBS versus FCS game. Bowling Green, to me, is a team that is is a sitting duck on the schedule. To me, when I looked at East, uh, Eastern Kentucky's schedule coming into the year, I really thought it was possible for them to get one or the other. I didn't think they were going to win both of them, but I thought these were both winnable FBS games. And they played really, really well last week. They just... There was one or two plays, man, where if it went the other way, you're sitting at 1-0 with a big FBS win. Do not be surprised if EKU upsets Bowling Green. For me, that is the most likely FCS over FBS upset of the weekend is Eastern Kentucky, man. Parker McKinney's a fifth-year quarterback. Matthew Jackson was the A-Sun Defensive Player of the Year. They have a studded tight end. They got some really, they got some really good athletes at wide receiver. EKU is going to be a problem, man. And they have the added motivations, man. I want to send my thoughts and prayers out to their head coach, uh, Walt Wells. He had a uh, 
had a health issue, man, and that he was he was in the ICU for a while, and that team really rallied around him. Man, so I'm really hoping um, him and his family are, are doing better, and I'm really really hoping, man, it would be a great comeback win for him after all the health scares that he had this all season, man. So shout out to Coach Wells and, and the Easter and the um, Eastern Kentucky team, but this is one that. I, I think people are going to think is controversial, but I, I'm going to explain myself first. Washington and Portland State. Washington is the same team that Montana knocked off in week one last year, 13 to seven. And Portland State, I, I know people were kind of overlooking them in the big sky. I believe they, they were preseason picked to finish seventh or eighth in that conference. They came about a play away from beating San Jose State last week. They gave the Spartans all they wanted and more. Washington with a first-year head coach and uh, Kalen DeBar uh, from Fresno State. We don't know what Washington is going to look like this year, and Portland State knows they let that one go away. And the big test here is Washington has a very, very questionable offensive line, and that defensive line for Portland State is an absolute problem led by V.J. Milo, who was, a, who was an All-American, um, FCS All-American in our publication and Hero Sports, and and was an all big sky selection the past two years, man. Was one of the ranked top 10 in tackles for loss last year, and they have some big boys at the nose tackle spot. If Portland State can keep this one close early, force some turnovers, do not be surprised if Portland State take, takes Washington to the brink again, man. And Washington fans do are going to stop scheduling big sky schools if Portland State takes them to the edge, especially after what happened with Montana last year or Montana last year. Now, Final one before I give the the the, the honorable mentions because there's some one with Holy Cross that I really want to talk about. Georgia Tech versus Western Carolina. Now Georgia Tech, the reason they're here is they're coming off a short week. They played a very very physical game against Clemson on Monday night. They had some injuries. The offense looked very very inconsistent, and that's the key because Western Carolina is going to average somewhere between 35 and 40 points a game this year, man. The way that offense can click is scary. They went up against Charleston Southern last week and put up 52 against a very, very talented Charleston Southern defense. If Western Carolina can turn this thing into a shootout, Watch out in Atlanta this weekend. And Georgia Tech knows what it's like to be knocked off by an FCS team. I believe um, it, it was a Citadel that went in there and beat them a while back. And another SOCON team comes in, and this team is motivated. This team has the athletes on the outside. Their offense is going to put up points. And if Georgia Tech cannot reciprocate that on the offensive side of the football, which I really, really question, watch out for WCU pulling off the big upset over Georgia Tech. And, of course, um, there's a few ones. Listen, um, let's see. He said, notice how Washington didn't schedule the Grizz again. I, <laughs> that, that is true. Uh, Bowling Green plays for the uh, MAC, and the MAC is like the second-worst FBS conference. Um, EKU has a fighting chance. Now, Tulane and Alcorn is interesting. This was one of the ones I wanted to talk about. I was looking back for the comment. If, if that's going to happen, the defense for Alcorn is going to have to be able to stay off the field because what happened against Stephen F. Austin is that defense just wore down because the offense didn't have any consistency. They're going to have to stay fresh. And if Alcorn can run the football, this, this game becomes very interesting. Now, the transfer from Syracuse is a problem, man. He averaged like eight or nine yards a carry last week. Nico Duffy did his thing in, in, in the, his rotational duty. But I want to see if Aaron Allen can go win this game. 
because we know Tulane's going to put the ball in the air. Last weekend, um, Tulane's quarterback, I think they played UMass, which, you know, we, we didn't learn anything about them against UMass, man. UMass is prob- arguably one of the worst FBS schools in the country. Um, they're going to put the ball in the air. They have a very, very talented quarterback, similar to Trey Self last week. Alcorn State has to run the football. I heard their punter is back, so they have to clean up special teams and just stop making mistakes, man. There were too many mistakes at times where penalties stalled out drives and they got pinned back in their own territory and they couldn't get things rolling. I do think Alcorn has a has a solid chance to keep this one competitive, but I want to see if that defense can just be a little bit more consistent late in the second half, and I want to see what Fred McNair's strategy is. I could tell that in the press conference, just talking to him, asking him the question about Xavier Gibson, he felt like he let he let Stephen F. Austin off the hook, and I think he knows that. He shut down their best player, um, Xavier Gibson, held him to zero catches, and you let their probably third or fourth best receiver go crazy on you. And and just because your punter's ineligible, that almost cost you the game. And so I think Fred McNair is going to be on a, mi- a mission. The number one thing is, man, if Alcorn can just, even if you lose, and it's like 31-17, 31-20, 31-14, if you can just keep it competitive early, man, I'm cool with that. We just can't. Like I just I just can't see another beatdown like Arkansas State gave Grambling or or um who was the other one? Um Alabama AM gave UAB, man. I am so tired of seeing games like that, man. Those are just depressing to watch. I don't know about you guys. I don't even like watching those games. It was the rain delay at the Alcorn game, and I just turned the game off for the Grambling game. Like I didn't even want to watch it. It was sad to watch. That that offense go out there and compete. So I just want this can be to be a competitive game. Right now, I still um, let's see, uh, Mister Kincaid, man, shout out to you too. Um, I'm just I'm going to go Tulane here in a, in a in a competitive one early, but I just think that depth catches up. Um, I, I'll give you uh, if I had to put a score on it, uh, Mister Kincaid, I'd probably say 34. 21 to layman I, I think the run game is going to be really really strong for all corn they're going to be able to put up some points and i i, I like i like them to keep it reasonable but for me i don't like them for the upset i told g that at the game um but i, I don't see them getting beat like arkansas uh state beat grambling or uab beat um, um alabama a&m i think all corn state knows all corn state knows they're good and talking to coach, talking to some of the players, they know that they were better than Stephen F. Austin last weekend. So for me, I think I think Alcorn could keep it competitive, and I really hope so, man. And it's it's like like there you go. Like 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 T said, it's sad to watch. It really is, man. I hate it, and that doesn't even go for SWAC schools. Don't get me wrong. That that goes for MIAC, Big Sky, MVFC, SoCon. It doesn't matter, man. I hate watching games that are like fifty-eight to three, man. It makes the whole, it makes the whole level look bad. And so I, I just want every. That's why I always root, man. I, FCS over FBS, man. My favorite thing to watch. So, um, I, I want, I want to see it. I want to see them be competitive now. Some of the top FCS versus FCS games. Now we got a few slides. Listen. If you don't see your favorite team, hang tight. I got two slides of this, and then I got a game. I got two games of the week, which we're going to drop exclusive previews tomorrow on on their um on their own show. Like you know, I'm going to do an individual episode for the two games of the week. So hang tight. Your team's probably on here somewhere. But 
The first one, NDSU versus North Carolina A&T. A&T's got to go up to the Fargo Dome after a really, really tough loss to uh, North Carolina Central. This game is going to be so important for just perception around that A&T program. There's a lot of fans that I've talked to who think they they think if this game was played in 2019 or or 2020 when this when when it was supposed to be and got canceled it got moved due to COVID they feel like they could have competed but now the tone is very different and there's a lot of people that think Sam Washington is going to be on his way out there's a lot of question that there, there was a lot of there's a lot of question marks about what his future looks like surrounding the ANT program Jaeger at quarterback is going to have a ridiculous test this weekend NDSU has some serious serious talent on that defense and the one thing that scares me about this matchup is that ANT struggled to run the football against Central and now they're going up. Now they're going up against one of the best rush defenses in the country at the FCS level, and in a very, very, very talented front seven with two guys at the linebacker spot that has been in this program for a while. Multiple All Conference guys on the front four for NDSU. If they can't run the football, and this becomes Jaeger having to try to throw it around the yard, things could get very, very ugly in Fargo. And and I'm, I'm going to be interested to see the strategy. But for me, I just I think if you're an A&T fan, this is a game where you just want to see what is the mindset of the program? Are we going to come out and be any sort of competitive and what are we and, and how are we going to perform against NDSU? And now for me, I'm, I, I'm dropping my article tomorrow with all my picks. I, of course, I'm leaning NDSU. It's just it's just a question of can A&T keep it respectable? Because I think we can all agree here on this show, man, over 200 people in here. If A&T loses by anything less than 20, that's a win. That is a huge win to get go into Fargo, play a really good team after just losing a heartbreaker to your rival. If you lose by anything less than 20, it, that that's a win for the Aggies. I, I know that sounds crazy. That that is that is a win, and and Ron here gave up a good point. Just to give y'all a perspective, NDSU has only lost two games at home in like the last decade, so that shows how hard it is to win in the Fargo Dome, and that's why its home field advantage in the playoffs is is insane. But for me, man, I think NDSU wins this one. Uh, uh, you know, in my opinion. But um, it's really just going to be a question of, you know, does NDSU go put up 56 like they did against Drake last week? And the big thing is, if A&T goes and gets their doors blown off, what is the narrative? What is the narrative surrounding their move to the CAA like around the fan base? Because the CAA, just just so y'all know that there's a team on this slide, the next one, William and Mary. They just knocked off an F, an FBS school. Delaware's in the CAA. They just knocked off an FBS school. And Delaware plays Delaware State, too. So we're, we're going to see how good Delaware State is next week. What is the narrative if they go get their doors blown off, man? And th- there's a lot of storylines surrounding this one. And this is another one, too, man. Mr. Campbell brings it up. A&T could start 0-5. 0-4, at least. When you look, they lost the Central. They have NDSU this week. They travel to Duke next week, and then they get South Carolina State. If things don't if things don't tip right, man, you could be staring 0-4 right in the face. 
And this is a very big game for the morale and the effort of this team. So that's why for me, this is, this is going to be a game I'm really excited to watch uh, this upcoming weekend. Now, the next one, this is a, this is one that I think before the season, nobody in this chat cared about. Let me just be honest up until Jackson state scheduled Campbell and William and Mary knocked off an FBS school last week, man, this game probably wouldn't have been on this list for most people. And like, there's a lot of people who are probably going to tune in to watch William and Mary and Campbell this week that are living in Jackson, Mississippi, man, or are in Memphis uh, when this game kicks off. Um, this is a, this is a huge game. And I'm really excited. Listen, this is one a future CAA matchup. Campbell's headed to the CAA um, next season. William and Mary has been been in that conference for a while. Been fairly successful. William and Mary went out there, like I said earlier, knocked off Charlotte, 41 to 24. Campbell gets a dominant uh, a dominant win over uh, over the Citadel. Uh, this is a this this isn't. Um, <laughs> Sean, man, you were wild. He said Blue is like a concerned parent. He's so careful how he comes off so he don't hurt no one's feelings. I mean, we got to be careful out here, man. People are people get real upset. You start talking crazy about their team, but this is this is more of a test for Campbell than it is William and Mary. William and Mary has been competitive, man. They upset Villanova on the road. They they lost by ten to James Madison last year. Like this team's competed. This team has has done it. Campbell, on the other hand, a lot of people are wondering: Is it are those recruits going to live up to the hype? Are uh, you know is this team a legit top twenty-five team? I mean, I know some people said they put them in their top twenty-five after last week. Like, there's a lot of hype, a lot of talk surrounding Campbell. Can they go in on the road up in Williams, Williamsburg, Virginia, and knock off a team who just put on a dominant performance over Charlotte? Now, this game is going to be interesting. One. Both quarterbacks last week looked great. Wilson for William and Mary and Hodgman League Williams for Campbell last week both put up great performances. Wilson, 237 yards, two touchdowns through the air. Williams did this thing on the ground, but through the air was 175 for a touchdown. But both teams can run the ball too. Barr for Campbell and Yoder for uh, William and Mary were both excellent last week on the ground. Yoder for William and Mary put up 120 and a touchdown on only 15 carries. Which front seven is going to make a play? And William and Mary's front seven is not a joke. William and Mary's front seven has an FCS All-American, Nate Lynn at the defensive end spot, who is an absolute problem. And for me, looking at this game, Campbell's secondary finally going to get a little bit tested. When you go and play, when you go and play a team like the Citadel, it's very hard to judge what your secondary looks like. They don't throw the football. William and Mary is going to test some of those young defensive backs. How does Campbell respond to an actual test against a CAA team? And this is their toughest game of the season. If Campbell wins this game, just between us, I almost guarantee they're in the top 25 next week. They are they are in the top 25 if they win this game on the road next week, especially with William and Mary being in everyone's ballot. Campbell is a, this would be a statement win for Mike Minter. And let me just say this would put the country on notice if Campbell goes in there and knocks off William and Mary on the road. I'll have my prediction in the article tomorrow, man. But this is a very, very important game for Minter and Campbell. And even if they don't win, let me just say this even if they don't win and they keep it close and they're competitive, that is a major step forward for this Campbell program, which historically has not been very competitive outside, really anywhere, man. This program has not been great. 
And if they can just hang with the top 25 team in the CAA, it makes that move to the CAA look a lot better. And it puts a lot more confidence in people picking them moving forward in the season. But with how A&T looked last week, with A&T probably going to get a get a mud, mud hole stopped in them in Fargo, Campbell being competitive and possibly winning this game would put the Big South on major, major uh, notice, man. This would be a huge win for Campbell. Now, the next game briefly, man, South Dakota State versus uh, UC Davis. This is part of the Big Sky Missouri Valley Challenge. You're going to see a lot of Big Sky Missouri Valley games this week. Um, this one's interesting. You have South Dakota State coming off that four-point loss to Iowa, and, and, and UC Davis, man, coming in here potentially looking to cause some chaos. They lost to Cal last week, 34-13. This is going to be a battle of who can run the football. That, that's just what it's going to be, man. UC Davis, UC Davis has a great running back. Even though they like to throw the football, man, Gilliam at the running back spot is, is their offense, man. 115 yards last week and a touchdown. We know what Isaiah Davis in the South Dakota State offense is with Mark Gronikowski. But listen, UC Davis threw 50 times last week. This is going to be interesting because South Dakota State's biggest question mark is their secondary. And if they start getting picked apart through the air by UC Davis and then that run game starts getting going, this could be an interesting game, man. But I think the the X factor for me is going to be the front seven for the Jackrabbits. They have one of the best front sevens in the country at the FCS level. Multiple guys on the D-line all-conference, multiple linebackers, all-Americans. Adam Bach is all over the field, man. And it's going to be interesting to see if that defense can replicate what it did to Iowa and make this UC Davis offense really struggle in this game. And Isaiah Davis has to bounce back, man. Last week, I, I said on the roundtable, last week's game was a was a go-get-that-bag game for Isaiah Davis. Man, he had 50 yards rushing, 32 yards receiving, was the leading receiver for, North Dakota, for South Dakota State. I want to see, could he replicate what he's done every time he's healthy, man? He's been, he averaged almost eight yards a carry for his career. This is a game for Isaiah Davis to really go put up and lead the Jackrabbits to a big victory, man. You see Davis is one of those teams that has been flirting with the top 25. This would be a, this would be a great chance for them to prove that they are a factor to deal with in the big sky, man. But right now I'm leaning South Dakota state here. Uh, in my opinion, they are one of the favorites to win the SCS national championship. And so I'm going to lean South Dakota state in a competitive one, but I think they pull away late just due to their consistency to run the football, man. And that is another major storyline, man. Appreciate you, Ryan. Craft is hurt. Tucker Kraft, who we can debate this all day. A lot of people say he's the best tight end in FCS football. I, we'll, we'll talk about that with Kamari Everett in a little bit. But Kraft is hurt, so we're going to see who you know who steps up. But listen, their backup tight end is just as good, Ron. They have like for them, them and Georgia have probably the deepest tight end room in the country, man. It is ridiculous how many tight ends South Dakota State and Georgia both have on their rosters. So. I think they'll be just fine, Ron. I, I don't. I, Tucker Kraft is talented, but man, if there's a team that can hang. It's South Dakota State in that tight end room. But the final game here before we move on, man, Montana, South Dakota. This is another one of those. Um, it's another one of them MVFC big sky games. This one I don't think is going to be as competitive as the above one. And it's, it's, it's no disrespect to, <laughs> to anybody. But listen, man, Montana for me is just different. 
South Dakota got shut out last week against Kansas State, 34 to nothing, while Montana beat Northwestern State last week, 47 to nothing. And when I look at this team, it's going to come down, can camp at, at the quarterback spot for South Dakota not turn the football over against a very, very talented Montana secondary man. Justin Ford is an absolute issue at the corner spot. And when you look at this Montana state, uh, this Montana team, Lucas Johnson is the truth, in my opinion. I told you guys the reason I liked them over Montana State and the reason why a lot of people were weary of them was because they could not find a quarterback that could re- that could really be a game changer. Lucas Johnson transfers in from San from Eaton, one as a starter, put up excellent stats. Last week, over 200 yards passing, four passing touchdowns, and 76 yards rushing on just seven carries. I personally think Montana has too much on both sides of the ball. Marcus Knight at the running back spot should be a problem. I think Montana runs away with this one over South, over South Dakota. I personally think Montana lives up to that number three ranking in my personal poll, man. I think Montana is a bona fide national title contender. Now, the the next ones before we get into our games of the week, man, these are ones that I think were honorable mention top FCS uh, games. Um, Southern Illinois versus SC, um, against SEMO or Southeast Missouri State is a very interesting one just because of how how important this becomes for Southern Illinois now. They lose this game. There's no more top 25 ranking. And so you're looking at a preseason top 10 team potentially not even being in the top 25 after after week two. At, um, the SEMO, man, the running back is, is the key. It's Geno Hess. If he runs the football and shortens this game up and puts pressure on Southern Illinois to score, which last week they could not, if this SEM, this if this SEMO defense can step up to the plate against Nick Baker and this talented offense, we'll see if Avanti Cox is back at the wide receiver spot for them, who was an All-American. This game could get interesting, man. I think I want to see where the mindset of Southern Illinois sits after a game where they really and truly just got beat down. And I was impressed with the Cardinate word, but I was just as disappointed in Southern Illinois. This is a game that I think Geno Hessen, though, could take over, man. But I still am going to lean Southern Illinois just because I believe in the offense. But I don't think this game even winds up being double digits. I think this game was a lot closer than a lot of people thought coming into the season, man. So look for this to be a close one. But I'm leaning Southern Illinois here. Now, Austin P and Valley is also this weekend. This is a must win or a must compete for Dancy. You have to compete, man. You let Tarleton off the hook. And just to kind of give y'all a heads up, man, I didn't get a chance to post his press conference. He thought Eason played a decent game looking back at the film. And he's, I think Eason is the guy that's still going to get the start for Valley this weekend against Austin P who has looked amazing in weeks one and in week zero and one. They, they almost knock off uh, Western Kentucky, and then they beat Presbyterian 63 to nothing last week. Now, I know what Presbyterian is. We're not going to give them too much credit. 63 to nothing on anybody is impressive. This Valley defense is going to be tested, and Austin P is going to try to be as balanced as they can. Man, They trust their quarterback to make all the throws around the field, and they're going to run the ball with Joshua Samuel, the transfer from Jacksonville State, who has been an all-conference pick, was a preseason A-Sun pick for us. Now, Austin P, in my opinion, has the major advantage, and I think Austin P still wins this game, but Valley needs to be competitive. If Valley goes out there and gets their doors blown off, man, uh, 
I don't I don't know what the season looks like for them. And if they don't get better quarterback play, I do not know. I I, I don't know how they compete in the swag. I'm going to be honest with you, man. They they are going to have to they're going to have to have better quarterback play. Listen, Caleb Johnson, a stud, but he can't do it all, especially not against a, a pretty talented front seven for Austin P. And so I think Austin P takes this one, man. But I'm going to be very interested to see if Valley can compete with Austin P after they did a very good job early in that Charleston State game, keeping that one close. Now, the next one is Rhode Island versus Bryant. And this one, you know, we're just going to go real quick over this one. I picked this one because Bryant shocked a lot of people, man. Um, an overtime loss to Florida International, 38-37 last week. Zevi, Zevi Eckhaus is a problem at quarterback, man. Had an outstanding freshman year last year, and he delivered an outstanding performance against an FBS school, 18 for 22, 243 and a touchdown. But, man, they're going up against a really, really good Rhode Island team, man, a top 25 team. Um, I believe in the FCS stats perform poll. Hill at quarterback played an outstanding game with over 230 and two touchdowns last week as they beat Stony Brook on the road in a big CAA week one matchup, 35-14. I give Rhode Island the, the advantage, but the reason I picked this one is Bryant is such an unknown coming into the Big South. If they compete in this one, Look out for Brian in the Big South too, man. I don't think that road that everyone was talking about being so easy for A&T is going to be very easy. Look out for Brian in this one, but I'm going to still lean Rhode Island right now. But do not be surprised if Zevi Eckhouse has another giant game. And that kid right now is making a case to be one of the best young quarterbacks in the FCS. And I'm really, really excited to see how he continues to develop in this Brian offense as their first year in the Big South as they move up. Um, as they move up into the Big South, man. But the final game before we get into our two games of the week, South Carolina State, Bethune-Cookman. This is a very, very interesting game for me. And I was very surprised that at the SWAT coaches called Terry Sims really, really drug his team's performance. Listen, I'm going to be honest. Of someone, someone asked him, and, and I watched the first part of that game, I thought that offense looked pretty good. Now, Kamari Everett didn't have a great game. He addressed it. Um, he addressed it on his social media that he would never have a game like that. But that offense didn't look bad. Jalen Jones was efficient. The offensive line was good. They drove right down the field and took an early three nothing lead. But Terry Sims said he thought the team played like crap. He said he was disappointed in his team. Now they did give up seventy down the end, but man, listen. Terry Sims seemed pissed, and I, I, I thought he was going to be very proud of his, his team's performance. But South Carolina State coming off that loss to UCF, the number one thing I want to see is what does the quarterback play look like for both of these teams in their first real FCS competition? Jalen Jones transfers into Bethune-Cookman. He looks like he's going to be QB1. Corey Reed, Kamari Everett, you have the weapons around you. How do you how do you utilize them against a very, very talented South Carolina State defense, especially that front seven? The matchup to watch, in my opinion, is the defensive line of South Carolina State with, with um, Jablonski Green, with um was it Patrick Godbolt at the defensive tackle spot? They have another one as well that that played really, really well week one against UCF. How does the Bethune-Cookman offensive line hang with that defensive line? If they don't win the line of scrimmage battle, this is a very, very tough game for for Bethune-Cookman to win. They're coming down to Daytona. 
I, I'm interested to see the attendance. I've, I've, I haven't been to Bethune, but I've been told by some fans that, that the crowd is in a huge advantage, but we'll see. But then Corey Fields, man, they're going up against a very talented secondary led by Amari Hill Robinson um, and all SWAC selection. And they landed Jalen Hodges and some guys in the transfer portal this offseason. I want, I want to so, see if Corey Fields can, can um, take a step forward in 2022. There were times where he looked great in MEAC play, but there were also times in games that he didn't look very good. The first half against Jack State, atrocious. Some of those other games, he 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 didn't have that it factor to me. I'm going to lean South Carolina State here, man, because listen, I said after the Celebration Bowl, man, I'm never picking against um, uh, Buddy again, man. Buddy Pugh ha- ha- has sold me, but I do think Bethune-Cookman makes this more interesting than people think. I think this would be a close game. I'm going to lean South Carolina State in a close one, but I do think Bethune-Cookman, in my opinion, makes this very competitive, and that worries me, man. If Bethune-Cookman pulls this upset off, and I'm just going to tell you, you are going to see me jump. I, I, I will start back up that NCCU bandwagon. I was already on Central's bandwagon coming out of MEAC Media Day. I know a lot of y'all remember that. If South Carolina State loses this game, it's 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 NCCU all the way to the MEAC champion, all the way to the Celebration Bowl, and there, there's no stopping. But I think South Carolina State escapes this one and sets up a very very big um sets up a very very big matchup later down the line with they still got FAMU and they still got Central on that schedule, and we'll see what the rest of the MEAC looks like. Um, I know a lot of people are buying stock into Morgan. I know a lot of people want to see what Norfolk looks like and et cetera, but but we'll see, man. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride with South Carolina State for right now, but man, I'm still weary about that conference because, um, listen, Central looked good. I'm just gonna leave it at that, man. Central looked really good, man. I've really really liked what Central's bringing to the table now. Man, y'all know what the games of the weeks are. Y'all already, y- y'all know what the games of the weeks are. I mean, listen, there was no there was no question. You got Jackson State. TC um, versus TSU, man, Tennessee State. And then you got a top 15 matchup, UT Martin versus Missouri State, which is tomorrow night on Thursday. Both of these games, man, I am going to be so excited to watch. And we'll start with we'll start with the one that listen, we'll save the best for last. I already know how everyone is in the chat, man. We know what we all want to talk about. But for me, Missouri State and UT Martin is very important for the playoffs and the perception of both of these conferences. Um, I think, in my opinion, coming into the season, I personally thought this was going to be a runaway for Missouri State, but they really showed some weaknesses last weekend against Central Arkansas on the road. Now, UT Martin went out against um, WIU Western Illinois, won 42 to 25. Win at quarterback looked really good. That was my question about UT Martin is, do they have a quarterback? Win through for 303 touchdowns, and Zach Wallace is an absolute problem at the running back spot. 20 carries, 139, and three touchdowns. Shelley last week was Jason Shelley. Let's just keep it honest, man. I, I picked him as my favorite for the Walter Payton before the season. Two, 266, a touchdown passing, a touchdown rushing, over 50 yards rushing as well. This is going to come down to can UT Martin get pressure on Jason Shelley? The Missouri State offensive line is a huge, huge liability. Um, 
they really, really struggled with the central with the central Arkansas defensive line. Now I know UT Martin lost um Anoma, who transferred to Michigan, the former five star from Bama. They still have some talent on that on that front um on that front four, and they got some great linebackers. Can they be disciplined against Shelly? Keep him in the pocket, take his legs out of um you know take his legs out of the out of the um factor out of the picture and can they force some turnovers if ut mark can get three four sacks keep keep his rushing yards under about 40 they got a great chance to win this game and the other thing is can the front seven of missouri state stop the rushing attack from um from ut martin man listen wallace is a problem man running the football now they did get a great chance um, last week. They faced Darius Hell, who was an F, who was a freshman All American, held him to under 100 yards. He got 99. We'll, we'll say he got 100, but they kept him out of the end zone. And they, but they did allow 168 yards rushing on 41 attempts last week. Zach Wallace is going to be my X factor here. If they can run the football, UT Martin has a great shot to win this game. And I'll drop my prediction tomorrow for this one, but. This game is going to be very competitive, and the winner of this game sets themselves up very, very nicely for an auto bid if neither of them win their conference. Um, we, we, we will see, man. Um, uh, Russell, no one, no one said, um, no one said uh, any of those teams were in the MEAC. I, I, I don't think anyone did. Someone in the chat did. I, I can't help you there, but uh, yeah, we, we know. We got you there, but let, listen. Jackson State, Tennessee State, man, my predict my my score predictions dropping tomorrow, but man, this game really really excites me. This game is going to be so exciting, in my opinion. Listen, I'm going to be down on the sideline, man. Um, I, listen, I'm bringing bringing my camera and everything. Listen, I'm going to do the same thing. My Alcorn State, uh, Stephen F. Austin highlights and everything like that. Try to get y'all some interviews before and after the game. Um, supposed to be having all access through Tennessee State, man. Listen, shout out to Nick the SID over at Tennessee State, man, for believing in the show and everything like that. I'm good. I'm, I'm extremely excited to be down there and be able to cover this game in person, man, and all the SIDs that believed in me to come do that. Appreciate y'all. But listen, I've heard some crazy takes about this game, and, and, and we're going we're gonna to have to address them, man. And, you know, listen, not calling anyone out, but I have heard some really, really insane takes about this game. Um, and, and let me just list them out for y'all. For Eastern Washington, trash. For Eastern Washington, shouldn't be ranked. I heard what Tennessee State slow. Tennessee State has um, has has no offensive weapons. Uh, Draylon Ellis is trash. Um, what was the other thing, man? I, I'm trying. I'm blanking out here. Um, then there there was. Um, there, there was there was so many just random takes, man. Like if you if you watched that game last week between Eastern Washington and Tennessee State and came away with 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 that takeaway, man, I I don't understand. Um, I, I don't understand what you were watching. Um, especially if you if you, if you in, if you're on a preview as an analyst and say that Eastern Washington is garbage and shouldn't be ranked. Man, I, I can't take your football. I, I can't take your football acumen in, into account, man. That is ridiculous. Uh, it, it 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 is absolutely ridiculous. And and I don't understand. And and here's the other thing, man. Listen, if you're going to analyze a game, you cannot on one hand 
ex- explain your your favorite team's game by saying we picked the ball off, we forced this fumble, we our offensive line did this, our running backs broke all these tackles, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then on the flip side, when you're describing your opponent, say, oh man, but the team they played missed tackles, all the team they played wasn't very good, all the team they played let them off the hook here, the team they played uh, turned the ball over, man. That, they're, they're lucky that they're, the team they played turned the ball over. Listen, man, you, you can't give your team all the credit for their win, but then take all the credit for the performance of the team you're playing. That's not how that's not how analysis on, on football works. If you're going to give your team credit for breaking tackles and forcing turnovers, then you got to give the other team credit for doing the same thing in their game. That's not how it works. You can't say, oh, man, look at Jackson State and how they destroyed FAMU, and then say, oh, man, Tennessee State got lucky. Eastern Washington did this, this, and this to keep them in the game. It, man, it, it, it drove me crazy, man, listening to some people try to talk about the game because that is not how you analyze football, man. You cannot just take all the credit from one team and but then give all your team the credit because, like, because you ride with them. It, it just – Man, as soon as I, I I saw the thing that Eastern Washington was overrated and Eastern Washington couldn't compete in the SWAC, I, I knew, um, I I knew I knew uh, the 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 analysis was over at that point, because uh, because that that's, that's outrageous. But anyway, man, let's get into this game. This game, this this game, in my opinion, I, I think there's a favorite. I'll just say that there there's a clear favorite here. But I think I stand on what I said before the season, man. If there's a team that I think can give Jackson State a run for their money, it's Tennessee State, man. And I think when you when when I look at that, there was a reason Tennessee State was number two in my HBCU rankings coming into the season, and they still are at number two. They still are at number two, and um, I, I, I'm not listen. I'm not jumping Southern over them for beating up a JUCO team. I'm not um, – Central has an argument at number two, but outside of Central and, and maybe Southern, I don't think there's another team that you can argue is a better team right now than Tennessee State. Um, and so when I look at this, the, the number one player that um, – the, 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 number, the number one thing I'm looking for is can Devon Starling make an impact? When you go watch the Eastern Washington game, a lot of the explosive run plays they hit were between the tackles. This is and and looking at the new offense that Eddie George and Tennessee State are running, they are going they are going that listen fast pace, no huddle, and they're going to and they're going to try to motion you to death. They they are going to try to get in that RPO game. They're going to try to get your eyes moving, and they're going to try to wear your team out. The goal is to go fast. The goal is to wear out your front seven, and the goal is to run the football and be physical up front, man. When you look at when you, when you go look at the highlights and listen, all my preview I'm dropping tomorrow. I got permission to use some clips from that game. We're gonna look at it. The, Devon Starling was able to find some big holes inside behind the center guard and, and, and sometimes on the inside of the tackle. This is going to be a huge game for Aubrey Miller, Devontae Davis, and that D and, and that inside and that inside um in that in, in the interior defense for Jackson State. And that is going to be the matchup to watch. It's the offensive line of Tennessee State versus the defensive line of Jackson State, and and not in terms of pass defense, in terms of run. And FAMU, did try, I, I guess, really didn't try to run the ball. 
um, a, a whole bunch because they got behind the chains, and, and that's fine. But they're going to try to run Draylon Ellis. They're going to try to run Devon Starling, and they're also going to use utilize an RPO and screen game and try to get their athletes in space and hope you make mistakes. And because we saw with Easter Washington last week, they run, they run, they run a, um, just a typical screen, and Easter Washington misses one tackle, and the kid takes it for a touchdown. That is going. That is going to be the the biggest thing is discipline and tackling for Jack and for Jackson State, man. And if and if and also the depth is going to be a huge thing for them. And I talked to a parent of a of a Jackson State player before this, and I've been talking to some some people over at Tennessee State. Both teams know what they're going to do. Jackson State thinks they have the depth to hang with this fast-paced offense, and Tennessee State says we'll see on play six, seven. If we're still running in that a gap, are you going to have enough? Um, are are you are you going to have enough to stop us? And and I think it was clear as day, man. They want to run the football. That's it. And the one matchup that I think I'm concerned about for Tennessee State is the secondary, because listen. I'm not. Uh, this is the thing that also kills me is is they, people don't understand the Eastern Washington offense. They think it started with Eric Berrier. This offense that they've been running at Eastern Washington has been around for like six, seven years now, and they've had multiple different quarterbacks, multiple different wide receivers, different offensive coordinators, and they are going to throw the football for three to five hundred yards on everybody they play. That's just that's just that offense. And so I'm not putting a lot of emphasis on stats in my preview on on TSU secondary. But the one thing I was concerned about, they do have a lot of young guys in the back end of that TSU defense. And the the one thing I was I'm worried about going into this matchup is their ability to play in space. And what I mean by that is last week they had some moments where they made some great plays in coverage. And the issue was when things started breaking down and, and let's just say, you know, and they didn't and they didn't give up and they didn't get pressure on um, Talkington, who was the quarterback for Eastern Washington. When they didn't get pressure, their secondary sometimes got lost in coverage and it allows someone to get open. And that's not a mistake you can make against Jackson State. If you make that mistake against Jackson State, that's going for six. If Dallas Daniels finds an open spot in the zone and, and you're just off in, in nowhere, he's going to get the ball and he's going to go make a play upfield. If you get lost, if you get lost in space against Shane Hooks, Chador Sanders is going to throw it up and he's going to go make a play. If you get lost in space and Kevin Coleman is wide open underneath, he's going to go make a play in space. Those are mistakes that Eddie George in the secondary is going to have to clean up. And so that that is that's the number one thing. And the other thing is. I, and, and people can disagree with me, and I've talked to some, I've talked to some coaches and stuff about this, and and I, I don't, I don't care what anyone says. I've I've watched the film. In my opinion, Draylon Ellis is a better quarterback than Jeremy Musa, and he's more athletic, he's more dynamic, he has a better deep ball, and also he came in with a lot more experience, and he's played in games like this. I I personally I personally think Draylon Ellis is a much harder matchup for for Jackson State's defense than Jeremy Musa was. Jeremy Musa was a statue back in that pocket and, and was going to get killed. Draylon Ellis can make plays outside the pocket with his legs, and he has the ability to get downfield on read options, RPOs, everything, and he can escape pressure. Man, listen, this is going to be this this is going this is going to be a test for Niles Gaddy. And the defensive ends. 
because you can get pressure. That's fine because Musa, as soon as you touched him, he was going down. If you if you don't get your hands on Draylon Ellis, he's gone. And this is a test for Aubrey Miller too. Aubrey Miller, a lot his his biggest critique from a lot of people was his ability to play in space. If 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 it's Aubrey Miller and Draylon Ellis in the open space, can he make the play? It, that that's that's the question. And also, I really want to see if I'm TSU. The one thing I want to see, and and I talked to a, I talked to a Jackson State person about this um, as well as close to the team, the matchup that you want to try to exploit and make Jackson State worry about is De- Devon Starling out of the backfield versus Aubrey Miller. You want to say, you want to see Aubrey Miller on Devon Starling trying to cover him. That is what that that is that is what you want to see. You want to put Aubrey Miller in that type of situation in the open field against a very very athletic running back that is really great outside the backfield catching the football. And I was told Jackson Jackson State has a really good plan for that. I'm gonna drop that on the preview, man. I got a little bit of insight on how Jackson State is going to um, is go is going to get after that. No, listen, uh, my bad. I disagree. And listen, I, I, I'm not. I'm not saying you know you're wrong or anything. For me, he doesn't remind me of Felix Harper. He is so much bigger than Felix Harper. And I, in my opinion, he's a much more efficient guy passer downfield than Felix Harper is. Felix Harper was way too small. Draylon Ellis is not a is not a tiny dude. Like Draylon Ellis has some size to him. So I, I don't. I don't. I don't love the comparison of, of Felix Harper. Um, Felix Harper was way too little. I, if when I look at Draylon Ellis, but now now gonna have to try to make me off the top of my head try to find a comparison because I I, I don't think Felix Harper's game was anything like uh, Draylon Ellis. And by big, I mean he's a, he's taller. If I'm not mistaken, now now we're gonna have to look this up. Good lord! But yeah, I don't I don't see when I watch the film, I, I don't see. Um, I personally don't see that. Yeah, I mean, Traylon Ellis is over six foot. And I don't think Felix, I, listen, I've seen, Felix Harper was at the Alcorn State game this weekend, and I was standing beside him. He's not six foot, not even close. Um, so for me, I, I, I think that's the matchups, man. And the other thing I do want to see is, one, we don't know who, I, I want to see who Jackson State brings. I was told by my Jackson State person that there's going to be players that didn't even, um, that didn't even make the um, the trip last week. That that is going to be um, traveling with Jackson State this week. I heard there's going to be at least ten extra players coming with them, um, and I, I want to see who they are. I, I, I heard Nuggets probably going to be coming back. We'll see about Malachi. I'm going to be interested. This is another test for the offensive line because the one thing that you can say about Tennessee State. He might not have got a lot of pressure last week. They do have guys on the interior that that did play well against the run. And one of FAMU's big problems is once you started allowing Jackson State to pop the run, it was over. I texted Scotty. It was 14-0, and it was right after. I think it was um, it's either J.D. Martin or Santee Marshall bust one up um, right up the middle, and I, there, was, there was no chance. I, I texted Scotty. I said, it's over. FAMU has no chance in this game if, if Jackson State can run the football. Tennessee State cannot let Jackson State just get whatever whatever they want. So that, that's another big thing. Now let me get some of these comments real quick. 
It seems that JSU's role competitors didn't believe JSU's upgrades were real. I think it's too late for recovery. JSU's 20 steps ahead. And let's see, by halftime, this game will be a blowout. He's better than Campbell's QB. That that one could be a debate, but I, I'm not I'm not going to disagree with you. Definitely make sure to like the like like the stream. Um, listen, okay, y'all, listen, y'all got to stop. Okay, we're we're gonna we're just gonna settle this real quick before I get to the rest of these comments, man. Also, you got some call in call in number scrolling below, man. Call in about uh, Jackson State, Tennessee State. Y'all got to stop mixing up things Scotty says or 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 whoever says does not fall on me. Just because other people were saying something about like I'm good. I've always said Draylon Ellis, Draylon Ellis and um the Campbell quarterback, Hodge Malik Williams, were the two best quarterbacks that Jackson State was going to see this year. So yeah, we're not changing the tune. That was not me. Stop confusing me with 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 other people. Listen, just because they say it and we're cool does not mean that I said it. Well, it's gonna leave it at that, man. That that's that stuff gets so annoying, man. Just because Scotty says it does not mean I, I always co-sign. Let's see. I, I hope you guys have T, uh, your TSU shirt Saturday. I don't want to hear excuses. Cam will have to pop Ellis. I like we got our first caller here. Let's see. Caller, you're live. Nine three one. Hello. Hey, you're live, man. Hey. How you doing, uh, Blue? Good, man. How about you? I'm I'm doing good. Uh, do you think that uh, Jackson State will run as much zone as we saw for Sam U, or do you think they will go ahead and try to stuff running lanes as much as possible? Because I know they like to go ahead and stuff lanes, and if there is a gap, there's usually a safety that's one-on-one with that gap. And do you think that if they go with that style, that that will present Starling with an opportunity, a one-on-one opportunity with a safety. And how do you think that um, that battle with, if it's a, a Cameron Tillman Craig on one-on-one with Starling would look like? Um. Okay. So I'm taking Starling's athleticism over Cam, but if Cam, if Cam catches him, man, it could be a problem because Starling is a little dude. So I think, Cam has the physicality advantage. I still think Starling has the athleticism advantage. Um, But for me, what I was told is Tennessee State is going to um, is going to try to read option Jackson State. So their goal from what I was told from this is from the Jackson State person who talked to a Tennessee State coach. They're going Mm -hmm. to try to take Niles Gaddy and the defensive end um, and, and the defensive ends out of the game. They're going to try to use them as read option pieces and they're going to try to get out in open space and they think they can compete out there. And so I'm expecting Starling. I'm expecting Ellis. I'm expecting that running back room to have a bunch of carries. And, and for me, that's your best, that that's your best thing. The worst case scenario for Tennessee state is if Draylon Ellis has to sit back there and throw the ball over 20 times. That is the mm-hmm. quickest way to lose. And if he has anywhere over 25 pass attempts, I guarantee Jackson State wins this game. And if I'm Tennessee State, the goal number, because you know how analysts always like to set, they have to hit this statistic or whatever to be competitive. You have to run for 100 to 150 yards, and Starling has to hit 100. That's the only way you even come close to competing in this game. And listen, they know. Their bread and butter is running the football. Their best athlete on offense 
is their running back in Devon Starling. They're going to put the ball in his hands, and I heard they are not shying away from going read option and RPO offense this weekend. Mm-hmm. And I hate to do this. I hate going back to last year, but if you go back to last year, Texas Southern was killing Jackson State with uh, read option. It was really bad, and they just went away from the run. They were, it was really bad last year. But thank you for answering my question, Bill. Hey, man, I appreciate you. Thanks for the call. I got another caller here. Mr. Ford, you're live. Hey, hold on. Let me, let me turn this thing down. Okay. Uh, listen, you was talking about Western Carolina and Georgia Tech. Okay, let me tell you this. Georgia Tech's coach ain't going to make, make it the half season, uh, that Jeff Collins. Now, what Georgia Tech needs to do is put this – look at this Kerwin Bale. You you know who Kerwin Bale is? You know about him? Oh, yeah. A stud at okay. Valdosta State, and he is recruiting the yeah. hell out of Florida. Okay. Listen, Kerwin was at Florida before the coming of Steve Spurrier. I think he played for Charlie Pale. And uh, he knows his offense. Like I said, Kerwin Bale should be considered for that job at Georgia Tech or a Power 5 job. But that guy at Georgia Tech, Jeff Collins, he's not going to even make that. The the newspaper here, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, they spent the whole summer trying to run him out uh, out of the Georgia Tech. Let me say this here. Uh, You're talking about Terry Sims. Terry Sims is on his way out the door, too. He's on his way out the door. Uh, Let me tell you this. The guy who's coordinating Bethune-Cookman's uh, offense, he's a big-timer. That guy comes – he got a pedigree with the University of Tennessee. He know what he's doing, okay? Uh, the biggest problem with Bethune-Cookman is the coordination of that defense. They let Yogi Jones go, which was a total mistake, and they got somebody down there that me don't know what he's doing. Uh, let me say this right here. And this is what I want to say to you. The, the city of uh, – Jackson, Mississippi, and to the mayor and the city council down there. Now, they said that Jackson State football brought the city of Jackson $30 million last year during the football season. you going to tell me they can't spend $2.5 million to $3 million refurbishing uh, veterans? They need to do something about that stadium. That stadium is crumbling. They need to do something about that stadium. These people bringing – this team is bringing you $30 million – to the city, and you can't uh, refurbish the the, uh, the stadium. I don't understand that. Now, my last thing, Blue, is this right here. Could you talk about the quarterback situation at Grambling? Because uh, I, I, I I pulled it up, hadn't had a chance to look at the Arkansas State game. I'm mis- I can't understand why this Chance Army isn't starting for Grambling. And the last thing I want to say, you talking about uh, North Carolina A&T. North Carolina A&T got the same problem that Florida A&M got. The administration has damaged the program. That what uh, The AD at North Carolina A&T's name is Hilton. The president's name is Martin. They done damaged that program. They're going to get what they deserve. And that team you're talking about, North Dakota State, is going to beat them 66 to nothing this weekend. Have a good, uh, have a good day, Blue. Did you want to ask me something before I go? Oh, no, you're good. I'll talk a little bit about the Grambling uh, situation before I get to my next caller. I appreciate the call, Mr. Ford. Okay, have a good one. Yeah, so uh, what I was told, um, 7400, I'll get to you in just a second. 
what I was told about the Grambling uh, QB situation is it's going to be Hawkins again. I still think they probably rotate depending on how the game goes, but Northwestern Northwestern State's a winnable game. That same team just got beat 47 to nothing by Montana. If if Grambling goes in there and loses, let me just say this. If Grambling loses to Northwestern State, Grambling will not finish above fourth in, in the SWAC West. Just going to leave it at that. Grambling will not finish. 7400, you're live. How you doing, Blue? Good, man. Good, man. How about you? I'm doing good. I love your show. I just wanted to ask you, are there any vulnerabilities that you think Jackson State has that any other school can exploit? Because I know that, uh, I mean, I'm a Jackson State graduate, but I know that we've improved on the on the O-line. But to be honest, I was not impressed with the Russian. I think that the Russian came along good towards you know, the end of the game once the pass had been established. But I don't I don't see us really getting a strong push as far as our rushing attack from the O line. And then we have small running backs, man, like Santi Marshall. This guy is tiny, man. So uh other than that, what vulnerabilities do you see that any other school could exploit at Jackson State? Um it's tough because, you know, we've only seen them for one game and they looked so good last game that I think we're going to we're going to find more flaws as as they come in. And everyone's got flaws. The number one thing is the, 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 the wonder is, is if the passing game isn't on for some reason, let, let's just say the passing game isn't going like how you would like it. The question is, if someone loads the box on them, are they going to be able to run the football at all? And. The, the, the other question is, is how are they going to respond to adversity this year? Because, I mean, they just went out there and smacked around FAMU. It was never close. The, the closest time FAMU came to beating them was at warm-ups, maybe. And so I guess those would be the two weaknesses I could see. The, 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 past, the past blocking was good. Um, they, made a, they made a handful of mistakes with stunts. But, I mean, it's week one, and every, that's hard to get down early especially when land comes screaming off the end on, on a on a twist but I, I would say with the smaller running backs what jackson state wants to do is is they're not a when you think of a run game some people think of like a north dakota state they don't want to do that they don't want to run in there get four yards a pop and just grind you out like some of these run first teams with the small running backs in the system that they're running it's actually perfect for them to have it cuz what they want to do is for Santi Marshall for JD Martin for I guess well Savion's a bigger back we'll, we'll see how they use him they want them to hit the hole and they and they want them to get 9 10 yards of pop if they can if that makes sense they want small right. explosive gains throughout this offense and the way they do it is they with the quick pass game they make you unload the box they get the advantage with their offensive line and then if you execute especially on the interior of the offensive line your running back's going to have a hole the size of truck can run through which is what happened late in i believe the second quarter when marshall got that huge um explosive gain against famu is they didn't have anyone in the middle of the defense the guard got to the second level and there was no one there and so i think the small running backs fit the scheme they want to do um, 
But for me, man, it's hard to point out a weakness because they look so good, and then they pulled all their starters in the third quarter. But, I mean, the question marks are still the adversity. Also, we really didn't get to see a lot of their red zone offense just because, I mean, they were just so explosive that they were just able to get big touchdowns. So I guess those are some question marks I have. But right now, man, it's up to TSU to find a weakness because right because FAMU did um, a terrible job of identifying any weaknesses, and they made Jackson State look unstoppable on both sides of the football. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that Jackson State will come out with the win. I just know that uh, – that they're doing so good and, we, and we're really excited about them. But I'm always looking for a way where, of course, where they can get better. And, of course, other teams are going to try to exploit something, you know, uh, just like what happened in the Celebration Bowl last year. But, of course, this is a new and, and, and better and improved team. So I'm hoping for the best. But I'm, I'm glad you uh, you gave me your thoughts on that. I appreciate it. Hey, appreciate you calling in, man. All right, man. Have a good one. You too. What's good, Steve? You're live. What's going on, Blue? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Good, good. I told you about Delaware Navy. Navy, Navy wasn't ready. Uh, about the Jackson State and Tennessee State game, you don't see Tennessee State pulling up the upset because they, they was hanging in. They was, they was leading the Eastern Washington game. Mm-hmm. Blue? Yeah, I'm here, man. Oh, okay. I I said, what do you think about? I said, what you think about an upset for Tennessee State? I know Jackson State is, uh, you know, stacked, but they was they was they was missing some um they was doing some uh, penalties, they was missing some calls and stuff like that. But I know we couldn't get past the fifty, only if we had a turnover or anything like that. So, Sam, you don't speak about, but you don't see Tennessee State pulling off the upset. Like I said, man, before the season, I still think this is going to be one of the toughest tests for Jackson State. But the problem is Tennessee State's going to have to play damn near a perfect game. You're going to have to clean up the penalties. You can't have any turnovers. And you got to force a turnover or two, just like they did against Eastern Washington. If you go back and watch that game, they forced some very opportunistic turnovers. Got a strip fumble. They, they made some big plays inside the red zone to hold Easter Washington down. They're going to have to play really, really disciplined this weekend. And let's be honest, man, the, the biggest thing is you cannot let that team get rolling. The worst thing, fam, you did is let that momentum build up. And then once it hit about 14 to 21, nothing, there was no looking back. There was no way they were going to go. They were going to go compete, man. So, Tennessee State's going to have to come out firing. And the best thing, the first drive for TSU, you at least got to get three. You at least got to get three. The worst thing you could possibly do, if especially if you get the ball first, quick three and out. If you get a quick three and out, it might be over. Really and truly. Yeah, you have to establish the momentum, just like they did against Eastern Washington. The very first play they ran, they made a big play got a big touchdown and that set the tone for the um for the rest of the game. If you can't come out and set the tone against Jackson State, they are going to come out and put it on you. And so Tennessee State the number one thing on their board of to-dos this weekend is to start fast. If you don't start fast against Jackson State, 
it's a recipe for disaster. Okay. Is that number four coming plan because he got ejected for the, the helmet the helmet on the quarterback? I watched the game. I um wait, was that in the second the half? I I think it was second quarter. I I don't know. Okay. If it if it was the second remember. quarter, he'll be fine. The only okay. I know I saw some people saying he would be out the first half. The only time you miss the first half of the next game is if it happens after halftime. So he'll be he'll be back, no worries. And that's the four star, um, Kayvon nice. Pope, I believe. Yeah, that's the name, Kayvon. Yeah, yes sir, yes sir. But thank you, uh, Blue. I like to say, man. You know, you have my thoughts and prayers, man. Keep up the progression. We'll see you on ESPN one day. Hey, man, I appreciate you so much, man. I can't do this without you, man, but I appreciate the call. All right. Thank you. One, five, three, one. You're live. One, five, three, one. You're live. Oh, okay. My bad. What's going on, Blue? What's good, man? Uh, yeah, man. I'm not going to take up much of your time because I know you're, you're talking FCS right now, but can I hit you with an Auburn question just really quick? Yeah, man. You you know you're good. All right. So, uh, man, I'm, I'm, I'm a Panthers fan, man. I make a lot of Panthers content. And, you know, we, we drafted Derrick Brown from you all a few years ago. I just wanted to ask, man, if we can get the maximum potential out of that guy, like what, what exactly do you see him being for us? Because we've already had him for a couple years now. So, what 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 can he be? Oh, I mean, hey, he he could be special, man. Listen, he was special at Auburn. There was a reason why he was one of the SEC defensive uh, players of the years. Um, his senior year, man, he was an impact guy. I think if he reaches his potential, man, uh, you definitely could get a multiple year Pro Bowler out of him, man. He's just got to develop and stay healthy. All right, man. man I just need a little closer insight from somebody that knew better than me, man. Appreciate it. That's all I need. Hey, appreciate you, man. Thanks for calling in. No doubt. Even got a little bit of Auburn talk today, man. But um, listen, uh, for for this JSU TSU game, man, um, and I said this on the uh, the post game for the OBC. In case you weren't tuned into that, if if Jackson's if if Jackson State comes in here, comes into Memphis and beats TSU by 21-plus, it's over. Unless something just out of the ordinary happens, knock on wood, never wish this on anyone, injuries, something like that, no one has a chance. If they come in here and, and beat TSU, anything like what happened this past weekend, man, I, I, I don't know what to tell you. Because looking at the schedule – I personally don't see a team on the schedule that um, is is going to be able to compete with Jackson State, especially if um, this one gets out of hand, man. Let's we got a few callers here. Caller, you're live. Hey, what's up, Blue? What's good, man? Not much. Um, I'm a Grambling fan, so I don't really – I kind of lost a lot of excitement uh, for this season, sadly. But uh, I'll say this to Scotty. I said JSU is who we thought – who they not who I thought they were, but who they said they were. Um, they hit on all fronts. Um, so I do think they're going to win this game. I think it's going to be closer, though. But, oh, yeah, I do have a question. Um, 
that's for everybody. But I'm just so baffled as to why Hugh Jackson didn't give Chance Amy a shot. Like, he gave every quarterback a shot except Chance Amy. Like, I'm thinking, did he get disciplinarian problems or something? Because he put him in one play in the end zone, and it resulted in a, <clears throat> a safety because it was a play action. He got sacked. So it wasn't even his fault. He never got a shot again. And Julio Calvin, he looked horrible. I hate to say it, he's a freshman, but he's just not ready to play. Um, for, for me, I think, and this was the same thing that happened at some of the FBS schools, coaches base their in-game decisions over how you practice, whether right or wrong, whether you're a gamer and just not a great practice player, they put quarterbacks into the game, especially in a game like that, based on how they practice. And, and he thought that Hawkins and Amy are not Amy Hawkins and the freshmen were the two best quarterbacks on that team. I heard Amy has not been looking good in practice and I just think Hugh didn't trust him in that big moment. And I'm hoping this weekend, if Hawkins and, and uh, the freshmen go out there and, and, and they don't play well, I'm hoping they, I'm hoping he gives Amy his shot because things can get really, really ugly. If, Especially for Grambling, if that run game doesn't start developing and they don't have a quarterback that Hugh trusts in his offense, because you you know the number one thing for an offensive-minded head coach is to trust your quarterback. And right now, I don't know if Hugh trusts any of his quarterbacks in his QB room. Yeah, I, I wouldn't either. I mean, none of them really gave uh, – I mean, Hawkins made a few passes, but it didn't feel like he didn't – like when you seen uh, Shador and Musa come out this year, you felt like they looked like the starting QB. Like, you know what I mean? They, they, you felt like these are our starting. Like, as soon as the Musa against North Carolina, like, you knew, like, um, the other guy, the backup other guy is not getting at the game. Like, you just knew it from the way he came out. I didn't get that feeling from Hawkins. And I understand, you know, the practice stuff. Like, I played for Temple, so it's like I've I seen this play out before. And I just don't understand in a game like that where it's already lost, why you wouldn't just kind of like, you know what I mean? You're not going to win. Just test the waters. And it's a non-conference game, so why not? get a guy a shot. Like, I don't know. I just don't get that. Oh, but the last thing I'm going to say, I'm punching out after this. Uh, I don't know. Why are people hating on Santee Marshall? Santee Marshall is nice. Like, I think people hate him because of his physique, but he never loses yards. Like, the, the kid is a positive rusher. He's patient. He's not flashy, but he only gets, like, positive yards, and he's quick. He's not fast, but he's very quick. I don't know why people hate on him. He's the best back they got to me since last season. I think it's it goes back to the perception that he was a walk-on. Let's just be honest. I think people hold that against him, even though they shouldn't. And when you also look at it, I think the the praise and the accolades that came behind Savion really sway people toward him. And they look at him as a, even though he's played you know less snaps, he they look at him as a more proven option and a more, he has a higher ceiling than, than, than what the other backs have. And so I think it's just a combination of that, to be honest with you, man. But I agree. The kid can ball out, and I think it's it's just people allowing their biases to kind of creep in when when they really talk about his game. Yeah, I agree. And, and most of my, from my experience, uh, walk-ons play harder. Like, they, you see more of their um, – I think the Durant was a walk-on that went to the Rams from uh, South Carolina State. Like Yeah. A lot of them play harder than uh, because they feel like nothing's given to them. And I don't know, Sandy Marshall has just always been good to me. So that's all I have to say. Hey, man, I appreciate the call. All right. Thanks.
7166. You're live. What's going on, Blue? Can you hear me? Yep, loud and clear, man. All right. Hey, look, so it's a couple of things I want to get out of the way. First off, um, I didn't get a call in on your last show, but I want to say I fully agree with your take on Jay Walker. Bro, it's horrible. I mean, and the part you was talking about, like, I, I don't know. I get what he was trying to say, but, like, he just be just talking to me, talk sometimes. What he meant to say was, as a quarterback, you got to feel the pressure and step up in the pocket. But to say that was a perfect, you know what I mean, protection, that was just laughable. Um, anyway, I wanted to get your opinion on how did you feel about um, the comments that, you know, Maynard said before the UAB game? Oh, are you talking about the I only get paid to win SWAT games? Right. Um, I mean – it's true. It's kind of true, I guess. Maybe I don't know. It, like I get what he meant by it, but man, it just sets such a bad precedent for your team. Like, how do you go into the locker room? Because like, let, okay, let's take uh, uh, Sam Washington as an example. When he pulled that big upset off, you know, the viral clip where the where he was like, "Run me my money," or right. "Bring me my money" in the locker room after the game. Yeah. How do you go into your locker room, get them fired up to go and compete? And expect them to expect them to give you a hundred percent. Put put their health on the line. Go out there and think they can win the game. When they hear their head coach not thinking they can win the game, it's just yeah. I thought it was trash. Like if you're gonna be a leader, like listen, Willie Simmons probably didn't think they were gonna beat UNC. But do you think, um, in your opinion, do you think they compete like they did if Willie Simmons comes out and says, oh, man, we're going to roll over, man. I don't get paid to win these games. This game don't matter. Absolutely not. And, I mean, like, and that's the crazy thing about that comment to me because, like, you were down almost 30 players. And, I mean, you know, whether this is the best UNC team you see in a while is a whole other subject. But for them to be that shorthanded and show that much heart, you know what I mean? Like, that speaks to what the players feel about the coach and, you know what I mean, the team as a whole staying together. If I hear my coach say that, I'm putting in my transfer papers the next day. I mean, like, we're supposed to think we could be anybody walking, even if it's not true. If you line them up, you know what I mean, you're supposed to feel that, you know what I mean, you got a chance. So, I mean, as your head coach, it's like you. I feel like it's a shot at me almost. Like, I'm the player. It's basically saying, like, yeah, like, the guys I got here ain't good enough, so I'm not worried about these games. It's just wild to me. Yeah, and it just sets – it it sets a – because here's my thing. He didn't say, I don't get paid to win money games. He just said, I only get paid to win SWAT games. So that means, does the Austin P game not matter? Are we just – are we right. just saying – Screw it! Like let Austin P come in here and 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 beat us down. Are are we saying that any non-conference game just doesn't matter? Because if that's the case, then I mean, because because listen, everyone's just assuming he meant money games. Now he said, "I only get paid to win SWAT games," which means we don't want to compete in out of conference in general. It 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 personally right. to me rubbed me the wrong way because on the flip side, and I've seen it in the comments tonight. When I was talking about the top 25, I saw the comment three times about how voters and things don't respect the swag, but then everyone's cool with Maynard saying this. So how do you expect anyone to respect you if you don't even, if you don't even care? 
Yeah, I mean, and this, and that's the crazy thing. I remember, um, you know, when you know y'all was previewing, um, you know, the schedules and stuff like that. Like, what's the point of even making a tough out of conference schedule if you don't even care? If you if you if like you don't care about out of conference that much, do what Southern did and you know beat up on Florida Memorial if it's, if you just don't really care about you know what I mean. If you only care about the swag, just why, why does it even matter? You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I just think that was whole trial. So take on that. Um, another thing too, I wanted to kind of speak real quickly on the uh, Tennessee State Jets State game. Now, I think I agree with you that Ellis is better than Musa. You know what I mean? So on that end alone, there's no way that Tennessee State is only going to score three points. I, that's that's not going to happen. You know what I mean? Um, but um. What I'm looking at is kind of what you spoke on with the back end, like with them being so young. And I think the problem that most teams are going to have is you got some corners that are going to do good. They may take away Dallas Daniels or some of the other receivers, but when you're talking about a, you know, a unit that's 10 deep, man, I mean, that's just hard to really, you know what I mean, as the game goes along, it's going to wear on you. Like, you know, just like a physical running back, I mean, when you got all those weapons and you got those young guys in the back, I mean, it's kind of hard to keep up. Another thing I'm looking at, too, Pope is going to be out most of the first half because of the targeting that he got for Eastern Washington. So No, no, it happened in I the mean, second quarter. He ain't missing any of next week. Okay, okay, cool, cool, cool. But, um, yeah, but um, I think that's the thing. I think Tennessee State's going to score, but I don't – even if let's just say Jackson wins by even they win. I think you broke up, man. You there? They just, you know when it gets aired out. You there, man? Oh, you hear me? Okay, yeah, you're good now. I, you cut out there for a minute. Oh, my fault, man. I'm I'm in a bad area. Long story short, though, um, you know, I just don't see if Jackson State gets on the board early, it's going to be kind of tough. I, I see Tennessee State putting up about maybe 17 to 24 points possibly, but I just don't think they have to kind of control the tempo if they want to keep it competitive. You know, that that's just my whole take on it. But, um, you know, enjoy the show as always. Blue, keep doing your thing. Hey, appreciate you, man. All right. Um, one seven eight six. I'm getting to you. Then nine 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 three. I'll get to you. But we got, man, we got to address this comment real quick. Yes. Here's okay. Look, and, and listen. I I, lo- I love you, man. Listen, we talk. We got my number. We talk. Ellis is good. Listen, Musa had one game. You want to know how I know Ellis is better than Musa? Ellis has done this for two years now. Ellis has won the OVC Offensive Player of the Year. Ellis was the OVC Freshman of the Year. OVC, uh, he led Austin P to the playoffs as a freshman. I know for Ellis is proven. Musa is not. That's how I know Ellis is better right now is because Ellis has proven it on the field at the FCS level in a conference. Ellis is better than Musa right this second, and, and I will stand on that. He has proven himself on the field. Musa, that was Musa's second ever start. He is much better than Musa 
right now. And Joseph, it's on the Jackson State Sports Network right now. Um, Jackson State Sports Network. One seven eight six. You're live. Hey, what's up, Blue? This is finishing. What's good, man? Hey, so I think what's going on with a lot of these Jackson State fans, and I'm not going to take away anything that they did on Sunday, except for this fact. It was obvious that FAMU, after they got up 14 nothing, and after it was pretty much a foregone con- conclusion that Musa was not going to move that ball, that they got shook. And they got shook so bad that even Coach Simmons got shook. Started putting McKay in and whatnot, and McKay was definitely not ready to play. So when you see a score like 59 to 3, I don't know if that's JSU's dominance or just FAMU just totally collapses. Maybe that score is 37 to 3 or 37 to 7 or something like that. But 59 to 3 is just such an outrageous score that to me, I really can't take a lot of stock in a beatdown like that. And I know JSU fans want to run with that. Cool. But here's my question, Blue. In your interview with Eddie George, was, with, I mean, in your press conference with Eddie George, which you asked three great questions, by the way, he mentioned the fact that Starling wasn't even starting. And he didn't start that Eastern Washington game. It was, it was actually Jalen Ross, the, the sophomore running back. Um, what was your take on that when he actually said that Starling had dropped the second string? I like it. Let's, okay, so – so just to give some clarification, I saw in the comments, I think someone, someone, um, I guess, mistaken it. So he was saying Starling was demoted this summer. Starling is going to start next week. And I, I think he kind of mentioned that. What happened is, is Starling has some off the field stuff that he wasn't handling correctly. Well, whether that's not practicing, uh, not practicing hard, there, there was great, like whatever it was. I like it because what it showed for Eddie George and, and listen. Coach Prom does the exact same thing. There's a reason Nugget and Malachi and some of these players didn't travel. You have to prove you belong on the field. And so for Eddie George to say, listen, this is my best offensive player, most likely. This is a guy who was a freshman All-American. It's a guy who I want to run my offense through. He's not doing what he has to do off the field. That means you don't get to be on the field and be a starter. And so I love it. Man, it sets a precedent because now you know if I don't do what I have to do, if he did, if he didn't hesitate to bench him, then I know for a fact he isn't going to hesitate to bench me. So I love it, man. I love it. Make players accountable for their actions off the field because you are still a student athlete. And there's a reason student becomes before athlete, man. If you're not doing what you need to off the field, coaches got to hold players accountable, man. It, it's, it's real life out here because like Coach Prom and Eddie George and all these coaches talk, sports aren't going to last forever. So if you don't get that instilled in you early, man, I, you aren't going to end up where you think. So for me, love it. I support Eddie George 1,000%. And I'm so glad because it would have been easy for him just to answer the question I asked. But the fact that he went out of his way to mention that and say, listen, I made an example out of him. That that put it out there. Any recruit that hears that knows it, and any parent that hears that says, I know Eddie George is taking care of my my son or my child. Yeah, totally, totally agree, man. And like I said, you could tell that throughout that whole game, especially in that first quarter when Starlin was kind of hot, um, it really motivated him to to say, okay, well, um, he started the started the kid in front of me. He really didn't do nothing in the first possession. 
So I really got to go out here and kind of show what I have and show what show coach what I really can do. Hey, Blue, great job as always, man. Keep up the keep up the good work. Appreciate you, man. Thanks for the call. Nine 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 three, you're live. What's going on? Can you hear me, sir? Yep, loud and clear, man. You're live. What's going on, my man, Blue? This is Dr. Lindsay, JSU, number one fan. We talked on Sunday after we left the game. I told you about how the crowd was in the stadium. Oh, man, hey, I appreciate you calling back, man. Man, let me, let's, let, now, let me say this, Blue. I know you're being nice and you're being respectful, but I hear it in your undertones about JSU and you keep saying, if JSU gets ahead, there's no coming back. Let me break this down. I had a chance to go watch the highlights of that Eastern Washington and Tennessee State game. Man, it was a beautiful game. I'm not taking anything away from Tennessee State or whatever. They went out and they did their thing. But me as being an ex-player, I played defensive end and I played tight end. Me being a player looking at that game, I'm concentrating on number three, their running back. If you watch that highlights, Blue, you know what I'm talking about. Number three, their running back, because he's a little powerful, small, compact guy. He will get out on you if you don't watch him. I'm looking at the quarterback because he's a dual threat. They don't think that we have scouts already watching that, already looking at the film, or maybe at that game. Now, I'm not going back over what we did to FAMU or how we're different than North Carolina. We have a different scheme, and Blue can tell you, we change up every week. We look at every team differently, and because our DB room is so packed, and because our defensive line is so packed, they can switch out other plays. Our offensive line can switch out other plays. We come with different schemes with Santee Marshall, and we come with Simeon, coming with dual threats and running back. Now Shadur is starting not just to pass. If you notice, he ran a little bit more against FAMU that he didn't do last year. Now, Blue, you're being real nice. But I'm going to say it like this. I'm not saying we're going to dust Tennessee State like that, but it can be if you let us get ahead of you. But I know we're going to win by at least two touchdowns. But when we lock out Ellis from running and we are seeing throw, yes, he has a decent arm. Don't get me wrong. But when you get the pressure constantly all game and then you're forced to either throw it or run it and you throw it the wrong way, our DB core will pick you off. So I apologize. Everybody says it's going to be a good game. Yes, it is. But we've already changed our defensive format for Tennessee State. We know that Ellis is the man. We know number three going to get the ball. And trust me, if you cut them off 50%, who else going to show up? So I'm going to let you please, Blue, tell the truth and let them know what's going on. Hey, man, listen, I've been trying to – Talk about the game as deep as I can without giving away my prediction, man. If I give away, if I give it away now, when I drop the episode tomorrow, all y'all just gonna skip over it. So that's why I'm trying to stop myself before giving the prediction, man. Because then y'all ain't gonna check out the website or the video tomorrow, man. But um, listen, I I don't think anything you said was wrong. Like like I talked about earlier, the matchup between the matchup and the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball are going to be so important because if Jackson State can dominate 
on the defensive line, man, it, it's going to be hard because if you cannot run the ball, if you're t- if 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 TSU cannot run the ball, they have zero chance. Zero. Can you tell me this? Can you tell me this, Blue? Just going to the DB or the receiving core, how we switch out so even. Do you think Tennessee State can do the same thing with their starters and still get the same production like we can? We can switch out the, the top, the, the first string DBs, go to a whole nother set of DBs. Wide receivers, we six, seven deep, and we can switch out. Because it, it, we have, and then everybody forgot about number five, the six four hooks who killed FAMU. Everybody ain't talking about him. He killed them. So we can switch up. Can Tennessee State do that? That means you're going to have exhaustion on your defense. You're going to have exhaustion on your offense because you've got the same people there, and we're going to be tagging them. Do you think we're not going to double up on who we need to double up? Blue, go ahead. You ain't got to tell them. No, the listen. Uh, just, listen, I have said this. The deepest wide receiving core resides in Jackson, Mississippi. I agree. I would say if I had to really put a number on it, I would say TSU is probably four. They, they have four or five wide receivers that are talented. And I don't know after that. We have, I haven't seen them. But the running back room is probably their deepest room. And then their next deepest room is linebacker. They Listen, they, they got some solid linebackers. But I, I told you the one question I have is defensive line. I mean, offensive line, my bad, because you can't, you cannot beat Jackson state if you don't have a good offensive line. So we'll see. But listen, I, like I said, I don't disagree with anything you said, but we'll, we'll see, man. Listen, I still think this is going to be a closer game than people think I, this whole, oh, yeah. this whole, we're beating them by 50, zero chance. Listen, and, and I've no, seen the comments. I, I... Go ahead. No, I'm saying, and I'm with you. I'm not saying that's going to be a blowout, making you try to predict the score or who's going to win. I'm just giving you different things that a lot of people don't think of. And not only that, I'm talking about endurance now. I'm talking about how we can switch out the first team, second string all game long and still get the same quality of a starter. Can Tennessee State do that with their linebacker core? See, that's what I'm getting at. That endurance is going to wear out. And over time, when we see how they, they starters play or who they substitute, we're going we gonna to start moving and to shifting into that. But the endurance is what I'm talking about. I'm forget about just the talent. We have a lot of endurance. We have a lot of shifting and bringing in different sets and different groups and people that give us an extra edge. Man, it's going to be – it's going to be a good game. And listen, I told you, the wide receiving core scares me because I don't know. Because I, well, you watched the highlights. Um, and I'm sure you probably saw in some of the highlights because, you know, I watched the game live because of the rain delay at Alcorn State. I just got to sit in the press, cot, the press box and watch it. But, man, some of the DBs, as time wore on, especially if you can't get pressure on Shador, they struggled to know where they are in space. And, man, that is a costly mistake against Jackson State. And I, yes, it, it's it's gonna be tough, man. But listen, um, um, I, I'm dropping it early. I got a whole breakdown with some with some film, everything like that, man. But hey, I appreciate you calling, man. I got to get to these some of these other callers, but okay. man, you're always can welcome to call in here, man. Quick? Always great. Can I give you a score real quick? Yeah, go ahead, man. Let me see your score prediction. I'm giving Jackson State. I would give them thirty five. To 
See, that's that's respectable. Like, listen, that's one million percent possible. I I, I don't mind that prediction at all. But we're gonna I, have I don't these mind two that. scores ahead of them. So how okay, so you got 35 uh 17. How many yards does Shador throw for? He's going to throw for I say 288, three touchdowns. Ooh. No turnovers? No interceptions. If that's okay. what you're talking about. No interceptions. Yeah. We're going to have a couple of uh, maybe running touchdowns. I think one defensive touchdown. I like it. I mean, you know, that would be a streak. Um, who was it last year? I think Montana had like a streak of like five or six games where um, they scored defensive touchdowns. Like I got a feeling wow. um, Jackson State can make that a run for their money because with the way Grambling looked, Turning the ball over, I might go ahead and chalk up a defensive touchdown next week too. You see, you seen what Eastern Washington did to make Grambling? I mean, um, Tennessee made some mistakes and they got that ball. So all I'm saying, we hungry from the line to the DB court. Like you said, you cannot make a mistake because our core can pick off easy. They can run down balls that you think your receiver going to get, and they can run down and intercept it. It's just – and then if that line is on, clicking on all cylinders, that defensive line, come on, bro. He He's, he's going to throw into no man's land, and you already know, man. But I'm just, I'm just believing we're going to have at least one defensive touchdown. I don't mind that. Uh, listen, that's all good. Listen, that that that's a solid prediction. I don't hate. I don't hate that prediction. I'll, I'll give you. I'll, I'll, you are probably had the most realistic prediction that I've seen in the comments right now. I'm going to be honest. I've seen some outrageous stuff. I respect coach. I respect the coach at Tennessee State. I respect him. And you don't think they're planning like crazy against it. You think they're not looking at our film as well? Trust and believe. So I, I'm going to least respect it, but I, I just want to respect that score right there. But it may not get that. That seven of that may come off. But I'm just going to respect it. Out of like you said, Ellis, the quarterback, and then that running back. And you said there's a running back that's a starter who didn't even play. So. Hey man, I appreciate. It. I'm gonna get to these uh, last three callers, man. But I appreciate you. Yes, sir. Have a great night. I forgot what order I posted. Nine zero two zero, you're live. Hey, Blue, this is Quincy. What's up, man? I love your content. And uh, I keep hearing all the JSU fans, you know, talk about how you're going to blow out TSU. And they might happen, but TSU can run that ball. And I really want to see how good the JSU cornerbacks can tackle. Yeah, they can cover, but can they tackle? They can tackle. It's going to be a long day for TSU because that quarterback and the running backs, they legit. And then people keep talking about in the chat about JSU offensive line. TSU got some great D-tackles, some really good D-tackles. We're going to see how good that offensive line is interior this week. 
And like I said, I think JSU is going to win, but I don't think it's going to be a blowout like everyone is talking about JSU over TSU. And if they win this game, I can't wait till next week when they play Campbell. If they win those three games, I hope they lose because I want to see them in the playoffs. I want I want to see JSU shut up all the naysayers. I want them to win a uh, uh, HBCU National Championship. I want them to go into the playoffs and let these schools know that JSU is for real. That's all I got, Blue. Hey, man, appreciate the call. Man, appreciate the call. 5059, you're live. Hey, Blue, how you doing? This is Ray from uh, Georgia. What's good, man? Hey, you got it. Uh, starting out with uh, head coach from AM, um, I'm a retired military officer, and what, what he said as a leader is just totally unsat. I think he's lost the hearts and minds of some of his players. He won't be able to get it back. Um, that's what he said was just very detrimental. I don't know how he's going to circle that back or walk it back. Um, that was the first thing. Um, the second thing was, uh, my prediction, I predict, uh, the score be 38 to 10 and the basis for saying 38 to 10, I believe that uh, Tennessee state's running game is going to minimize the amount of time that JSU is going to have the ball. It's going to reduce the amount of points that they're going to score over that first game by about 21 points. Um, Shadur will have about four to five touchdowns. He will increase his uh, yardage uh, game over game by about five to 10 percent. So in this game, I expect them to be somewhere between uh, 340 to about 360 with about four to uh, five touchdowns. And that's going to give them about nine touchdowns, so maybe one interception. Oh man, that's high praise, man. That put him on what? That put him on track for well over what he threw for last year. Because I because I don't remember how many yards he threw against FAMU last year. I don't even know if he hit two hundred last year, but he'll be on pace to. Uh, I mean, he'd be on pace to four thousand. It'd be a huge year yeah, for yeah. Shador. I, I I think blue that. Uh... That as he progressed through the year, that air raid offense is set up to to make college quarterbacks look great and get a lot of yards. You know, there's some some there's some it takes some hits. You know, when it transitions to the NFL, but in college, um, as he gets more comfortable with that system, I only see his passing yards increasing um, each game by about five to ten percent. I think that's fair. Um, I don't think that's a crazy prediction. I mean, this is a big chance for Shador, man. Um, really and truly, I think a lot of people were impressed. I mean, look, we saw the LeBron shout out. He was on ESPN all night. Um, what he was the uh, what was he the FedEx uh, FCS Stats Player of the Week? Um, oh, if I'm not mistaken. That. Okay. And so he got a lot of awards. He won multiple Player of the Week awards last week. Um, wow! Yeah, th- this is this is going to be a big uh, a big game for Shador because if he does it again, he takes a huge lead in the Walter Payton Award race. Unless someone does something outrageous. I mean, I guess Lindsey Scott has a chance too because he threw for six touchdowns in like three sixty last week. But 
Shador is right there, man. And uh, he's making a case right now that he is the undisputed number one quarterback in the FCS. And th- this is going to be a huge opportunity against a young secondary to really put them stats up. Yeah, I think among FCS quarterbacks right now, um, passing yardage, he's ranked about fifth or sixth right now. Yeah, I was I don't, surprised I don't, to see that. There's about four or five quarterbacks ahead of him as far as uh, passing yards. Yeah, I don't really look at the stats right now. Okay, so I I would I would not take um I would not take what the stats look like up until about week five or six because there are going to be schools who played in week zero that are going to just be ahead yeah. because they had more games. So a lot of the guys at the top of the statistical list right now are just guys who have played two games. Okay, yeah, you're right. Here's my last thing, Blue. You, Mike Zimmer, how do you think they are utilizing him and what is his specific role? I know he's an analyst, and I know that analysts are normally coaches on the back end of their career that mm-hmm. you know come in and provide their expertise and they still get to be around football. How do you think they're specifically utilizing him? Is he breaking down film, providing it to offense, defense? How do you think? What is his interaction? What do you think your your educated guess? Uh, well, when you look at what an analyst does, they really help form game plans. They help the coaches figure out what they're going to run the next week, uh, give you the tendencies, right, right. the the player spotlights each week. So, what probably what what he's probably doing when they got back Monday, they probably handed him the film of, of Eastern Washington TSU and probably you know, a handful of games from last year just to kind of get some film on some players who played last year. Um, And they said, listen, give us everything you know. He's looking at formation. He's looking at substitution packages. He's looking at tendencies. He's looking at um, coaching dynamics, everything like that. I mean, and he's just probably giving Coach Prime, Dennis Sermon, um, Bartoloni, he's just giving them a full report on what Tennessee State likes to do and what they have to counteract that. So it's so it's things similar to, well, they like this four-wide formation, whatever it might be, you know, whatever he might call it, mm-hmm, and they put mm-hmm, number 24 mm-hmm. in the game. So when they bring number – when they sub number 24 in the game, we need to sub Herman in at number ni- number 19. We need Herman to be in there to cover 24. We need Nugget to be in here to cover this guy. We need – um when they bring this tight end in or this H back in, we need to we need to bring Gaddy in here, Aubrey in here, or or something like that, just to give you some examples. So like he builds an entire repertoire of stuff to counteract what TSU likes to do. Well, as you know, JSU having uh, Mike Zimmer, and that is an extreme competitive uh, competitive advantage. Do you see any other team being able to match that competitive advantage? Because when I look at JSU, I see uh, Mike Zimmer as an analyst as the that like okay now it's unfair type stuff. It's definitely it's definitely unfair because usually analysts are like grad assistants who were former players, were um, are guys who are looking to break into the coaching profession. You don't have NFL head coaches who have been to the NFL playoffs and have all this experience as analysts on any staff in the country. So it is definitely a major advantage, and it's really and truly Jackson State's secret weapon. 
Hey, Blue, I appreciate it. And I just wanted to tell you, I really appreciate the fact that you you always present facts and data to form educated opinions. I appreciate that. Thank you for doing that. Continue to do that. Hey, love what you're doing. Appreciate you, man. Thank you for calling in. Hey, have a good one. Three 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 nine, you're live. Hey Blue, how you doing? How you doing? Good. Um I just wanted to talk a little bit about our offense as far as and my prediction for Jackson State. Um, I predict that Shadur will throw for four touchdowns. Um, Wilkerson will get a touchdown and then the defense will score for three touchdowns. So I don't think it's going to be close. I think the only way that Tennessee State scores is if Jackson State makes a mistake like roughing the passer or unsportsmanship or unsportsmanlike conduct or something like that. That's the only way that they're going to be able to score against Jackson State. And I had a question about the Titans that are playing now because I didn't really see that last season. So how do you think the Titans can contribute to the offense? I thought Jackson State used the tight ends really well. Um, when you look at last week, the touchdown with Hagler, just the fact that they were – I mean, I didn't even see them. I, I don't know. They brought in – I didn't even know who that was. Yeah, he's the he was the transfer from Marshall that came in. It was late in the offseason. I know me and CFL or or Blitz City now uh, did an episode on him, but he came in. He was kind of proven. Listen, I thought they were going to use him more as a blocker, but man, they put him out there and 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 he went and uh, got a big touchdown. And they have so many because I don't even think the one for South Carolina played. If I'm not mistaken, the um, yeah. was it Mullins? I think what what is, is his last name? But I like the fact Key that they Mullins. Can, yeah, Key Mullins. That's the one I was thinking I've of. I've seen but a th- lot of Stevens. I've seen a lot of Stevens out there. DJ yeah, he, Stevens. He's a tight end. And the good thing, so the the fact that their tight ends are athletic too. It allows them to play them as tight ends and H-backs, which is very important in today's age of college football. That way you can line them up in the backfield and you can trust them to block and you can trust them to have designed routes as an H-back or a tight end or chip in on blocking and then go out for a delayed route. It allows Bartoloni to really um, – he doesn't lose any play calling by putting a tight end in. If you put in a tight end that can't run routes – it really limits your offense, and also it's a huge tell in if you're going to run. So with some of the teams that might not be as successful, they when they put in a tight end, the coaches on the other sideline know they're probably running the football because they know that guy is not going to go out for a route, and they only use him because they know the tendencies is a blocking tight end. So therefore, putting them in the game usually signifies a run. And so with Jackson State using a guy who I personally thought was more of a run blocker and putting him out on a route and throwing to him for a touchdown, 
it keeps the defense off balance and it really keeps Jackson State's offense unpredictable, which is very, very important as the season goes on. And then my last question was uh, about Tennessee State special teams. Like, do they have good um, kickers? And because I didn't get a chance to watch the actual Eastern Washington game, so I don't know whether or not they have good special teams, but I know that that's one area that we significantly improved upon with a freshman kicker. Um. So last week it was kind of weird because – Eastern Washington went for two on the very first touchdown they scored, which forced Tennessee State to go for two. But I think their kicker missed one, missed one field goal, but then he hit a 32-yarder in the in, in the fourth. He's an average kicker. I mean, I don't think he's spectacular, but he's not um he's he's not atrocious, if that makes sense. Like he's not an all-American, but he's serviceable and he can he can be average. I think anything within 40. He has a chance to make. Okay. And my my prediction is going to be 63-10. I'm going to give them one touchdown just because of the running, but that's about it. Thanks, Blue. Hey, thanks for calling in. That's a bold pick. I appreciate you. Whew. Six, 63-10. Listen, now let me just say this. I, I'm trying to get this link sent. Um, if Jackson State <laughs> wins 63 to 10, it's over. Southern has no chance. Campbell doesn't have a chance. Uh, Alcorn doesn't have a chance. Miag doesn't have a chance. No one has a chance. It's over. It's over for everybody. Jack, J- Jackson State going, going to the Celebration Bowl, and they have no chance. I mean, or they have a chance, but whoever's playing them does not have a chance. Just want to let y'all know. So we got we got some predictions here tonight, man. We had sixty three to ten. We had uh, what was it thirty five seventeen? Um, man, hey, that that's impressive. Uh, but listen, um, we previewed all the games. Um, I'm gonna drop the JSU TSU preview episode tomorrow. I'm probably gonna have some other games that I'll, I'll probably drop individualized previews, man. If there's one that you guys want to see, man, just kind of let me know. I'll be dropping the article in the morning about with, with all the score predictions from a lot of these games. And man, if, if 60, 63 to 10 is not going to be my prediction, I will tell you that, but listen, I'm going to be in Memphis this weekend. Um, I got something to do Friday night, man. It's, it's a family event. So I won't be getting to Memphis until well, I probably won't be getting to Memphis till early Saturday, probably one, 2 AM. Um, and I'll be there all day. I know some people have already hit me up. If you have a tailgate, if you, if you have anything going on in Memphis, definitely let me know, man. Um, I, I definitely would love to stop by, meet some meet some people. Um, met some awesome people over at uh, in Mormon last weekend, man. And uh, it, it was a lot of fun. This is this will be my second time seeing JSU in person. I, I got to go see them play Alabama A&M last year. So listen, if they score 63, it'll be the second straight time Jackson State scored 60 while I was in attendance. So um, I might <laughs> might be a good luck charm, Sonic Boom. Listen, Sonic Boom calls me the JSU um, uh, the, the JSU worst luck charm. So if, if I go and y- y'all win by 60 again, man, um, I, I, want, I want my credit. And RJ, you're tripping. I guarantee NDSU is not losing four games. It, it's not happening. Just stop. Um, 
that listen, thunderstorms, rain delays probably come in this weekend, man. It's probably going to be a muggy day, but listen, um, any content I want to see, man, y'all let me know, but listen, go check out our press conferences. Uh, the press conferences that I posted, I got Eddie George talking about this upcoming weekend. I got coach Prom's press conference, Connell Mainers, Willie Simmons. Uh, next week I'm going to be posting a lot more coaches. I just didn't have a lot of time to cut those up, man. My internet was out all day, but, I'll see realistically blue. Forget the 63 of JSU puts up 50 plus. Man, um, I will be shocked. Uh, really and truly, listen, um, I, I, I do think uh, t- TSU was my pick to win the OVC. Jackson State is a really good team. But man, 50 on that TSU team would be impressive, especially after Eastern Washington only put about 36 on them. So, um, I, listen, I, like I said, last week really shocked me. And I think last week shocked most people, man. 59 to three is outrageous, um, uh, over, uh, over fam you. So I, I think it would be, my reaction would be shocked just like it was last week. man. And I think if, if Jackson state goes out there and, and does it, we could safely say if Jackson state goes out there and puts up 50 on Tennessee state, the only team that could beat Jackson state this year is Jackson state. If they go out there and don't play well. Um, I'll be interested to see because you know I already have them in my top ten. If Jackson State goes out there, um, and, and puts a, and puts one on Tennessee State, I'm very interested to see what some of the voters who might not be um putting Jackson State very high in their ballots right now how they look at that game. Um, because if if they go out there and and really beat them down, we we have a head to head thing with Eastern Washington now, so, um. Uh, I'm going to be interested, man. There's, this is a big week, man. But listen, UT Martin, Missouri State tomorrow night, top 15 matchup on ESPN Plus. And I just checked. Uh, let me let me double check again. I'm pretty sure. Listen, I saw some comment um, that TSU JSU was on uh, ESPN. It's not. Um, that that is going to be as of now. Things can always be flexed. As of now, looking at the ESPN app, that game is not going to be on ESPN. That game is going to be on Jackson State Sports Network. And I think uh, Jackson State fans will have to let me know. Um, will have to let me know in the chat. I think you have to pay a certain amount of money um, to to uh, stream the game. So y'all let me know in the, in the comments, man. Before I get out of here, I think you have to pay a certain amount of money to watch the sports network, if I'm not mistaken. But but that's that's what the game's going to be on as of now. I'm hoping ESPN Plus, ESPNU, one of these um, one of these channels has it but if not listen uh, um i got i got a i got a real nice lens coming in for my camera that's going to even upgrade further what i'm doing um covering these games in person i'm going to have full highlights man and um definitely try to get y'all some awesome pictures video clips things like that man that i'll that i'll be uh posting throughout the game and things like that man we'll put together a full highlight tape definitely doing it big this year man but um hey i appreciate y'all so much for tuning in man i had over 300 people in here for most of the stream thank y'all so much listen round table tomorrow i believe it's 6 or 7 p.m central time man just look turn on your post notifications subscribe man if, if y'all want man love for y'all to be a member man the link is in the the links in the description and there's a join button on the home page man but listen up until next time guys the blue bloods are out